powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane, Australia. It's episode 75 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we talk perfection as we talk about what could be considered our perfect songs. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the 20th, promo 20th anniversary brand is consistently earning the highest scores in the industry and is the top seller in humidors around the world. The promo 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's high-acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Albano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Momento 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And we want to mention, of course, Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of that Carojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Alapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of their JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Carojo Leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Cigars of Cuba, it was leaf choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Of course, it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate. It fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Coro from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Coro back to the market. With over 50 years experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Coro. Now, with JRE Tobacco, Julian and Sun Huso bring their very own brand to market, each representing the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And finally, we want to mention Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app via mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show and our 2022 Premium Cigar Association coverage. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 75. This is a mid-July edition. This is Will Cooper. I am on the black stage here in the Perdomo Cigar Studios. And I'm joined on the other end of the world by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. Good to see you. Um, yeah. You're fresh off of PCA, man. Yeah. Like how how yeah. was it? How was the show? Um, I'm going to tell you, I think this was one of the better uh, PCAs or IPCBRs we've seen in a few years. Mm. Um, there was a very positive vibe going in. I think it was a very positive cigar uh, cigar show. Excuse me. I think it was a positive event all around. 
Mm. Um, if there's, you know, if there's things that we could say, there are more things that they could do better as opposed to maybe the PCA blowing it because um, mm. they didn't blow it. Um, and I also say, you know, there weren't a lot of cigars that uh, I chucked this year at the show. Ooh. And the cigars were, were elite and fantastic either. There were some good ones, don't get me wrong. But mm. you know, there's always a few of those cigars you go to a booth and then we chuck it like a, a few minutes later after you leave the booth. I didn't do that this year. Now I smoked less on the floor, I'll admit that. Um, but um, you know, like I said, I think this was a I mean, we all came out of the show feeling like we can't wait to be back at the show again next year. Mm. Is not we didn't have that reaction in 2019, which which was really the low point of, of the trade shows. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering like since uh, COVID and everything, like how it would be, how the show would be. But you felt, I mean, you felt like there's a good buzz to it and everything, like just generally. Yeah, there was. Um, I mean, the last day is when we started hearing about the COVID spread. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but in general, you know, you all knew there was a risk going in there with COVID. Yeah. Yeah, the PCA should have sent out an, an email. I really think they should have, and there's reasons for that. Um, but, um, you know, I don't think... I don't think it, you know, I think in general people was, I don't think it's going to keep anyone from coming back to the trade show next year. Mm. Um, if anything, maybe I think people just, hopefully they'll be a little more cautious on how they uh, interact. Like don't, don't spit on someone when you're at the bar. No, <laughs> no. Talking uh, or, you know, don't stand on top of someone, you know, but, but, you know, for the most part, um, people are really happy to be there. And uh, I think the PCA did a good job as far as overall execution of the show. So um, probably the most positive show, maybe in about six or seven years, for sure. Uh, oh, really? OK. Yeah, it was that good a show. Yeah. Wasn't part. I gave it a B. I gave the show a B, but there hasn't been a B I'd give it a long time for the show. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, we'll get some more PCA news. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Later. Absolutely. We will. Um. You know, we have a, I said, this is an exciting show, but it is the first, like, we haven't done a show in a few weeks because of no. a few weeks off the PCA to, um, but, you know, it's good to get back to music. Um, so that, that's, you know, that's what we're doing. And we're going to be talking some really good stuff today, but, mm. um, but yeah, Dave, um, what's happening over at the jukebox.com uh, jukebox. So check it out. Cigar jukebox.com. You can email me, uh, you know, cigarjukebox at gmail.com. Um, so I'll do, I've been doing doing some reviews. This is an amazing year. I, I just put that it's an amazing year in music th thus far. Like, you look at the drops we got, Coop. We got Harry Styles dropped an album, which is huge. And with, you know, Kendrick Lamar dropped an album. Lizzo's dropped an album. By the end of the month or, like, beginning of next month, Beyonce's going to drop a new album. Yep. Um, which is interesting for Beyonce because the last two albums she just dropped out of the blue. This one has a lead up, like she's yeah. releasing singles. Like this is more of a traditional release. Yep. Um, and and like you know, in one year to get all those artists putting new albums, and then you still have out there the specter of will Taylor Swift drop 1989 her version? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a it's a like within the past couple of years at least, like four or five. It's probably one of the bigger years in terms of album releases in a long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, we were talking on the last show, I believe. I'm still waiting for that summer song to kind of grab me, though. 
Yeah. And we're into joy. That hasn't happened yet, but that's not the takeaway from what we've seen. I, I, I've been higher on the Harry Styles album. I think maybe than you have. I think it's going to be yeah. the favorite for the Grammys for sure. Mm. Um, I don't think. And then the Tears for Fears album was a big one for me. I yeah. could tell you I was at the Perdomo booth and they're, Nick and his son are big Tears for Fears fans. Me and his son had about a half hour sidebar conversation on Tears for Fears at the show. All right. Uh, what, were, is, yeah, yeah, he's a big what fan. Do you think of the, what, what do you think of the record? Uh, the son just loves it. Uh, Nick likes oh, it. Good. Uh, they were both at the concert uh, and they were just reading about the concert. And, you know, one thing that, that Nick, Nick Jr., his son said, um, we've talked about this, is, you know, with Duran Duran having the timeless voice. Of Simon Laban, mm. Roland mm. Orzabal is the same way in Tears for Fears. His voice sounds as it did 30 years ago. And that was like a big conversation topic we had, actually. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's been a good year for music and a good year for concerts, at least in the U.S., because the tours are all coming back. You know, yeah. now, and we haven't had a concert, really a good concert tour series in, in about three years. No, I mean, this year saw Coachella come back with Harry Styles headlining that. And that was yep. a big deal. And then um, you had Glastonbury came back this year and had yeah. like we went over we went over the artists of Glastonbury. And it's yeah, insane. We yeah, it was. And it was a big, big. I think it was important for those those events to come back. Yeah. And I think it's important for concerts to come back to like start coming back with really big names and big set lists. So like if Glastonbury came back, but they didn't have like Paul McCartney or these people headlining, I think it would have lost some steam. But to come back so strong. I think is important because like right now, I mean, you're just trying to get people are starting to get back in the swing of things with COVID and testing and rapid testing and whatever. Yeah. Yep. So. So. Uh, so it's good that that music's coming back. It, it is. And I think, like I said, I think, you know, we've talked about it. I think a lot of the byproducts we're still going to see for years to come, you know, just yeah. in terms of the creativity, the lyrics, things like that. So I think, you know, it's going to be a very good period for music for sure. And this year, I think it's a great start to that. Well, I don't think to be honest, Coop, like I don't think we have a year like this without COVID in a sense, because I think it might have it might have shelved a couple of these releases. Yeah. You know, so that, because people couldn't get into a studio or do whatever. And um, and so now that everything is sort of lifted and people traveling around that, like we're getting this like massive release of all these big records. Yep. I agree. Um, and some of these records, Coop, it's been like four or five years since they put the artists has put out new records. So they're all, and all coming at once is pretty, pretty big. It's no, a big I know. Year. I know. Big, it is a big year for sure. It was interesting. I was reading an article because you're talking about the summer song. And so far, the summer song is uh, Kate Bush's Run Up That Hill. So the <laughs> yeah. summer song was recorded in 1986. Yeah, like one of those songs, you know, um, which is, yeah, I mean, it's one of those songs that, you know, it's an absolute classic. It's great, you know, seeing something 36 years later get rediscovered. Oh. And, and make it bank. Like, it is still number one on iTunes. It's still trending number one on Spotify. Like, Kate yep. Bush is making some making some cash. Which yeah, nice. I mean, the, the last time I think this I could think happened was Bohemian Rhapsody in 92. Mm. You know, that's but that's still not as long a period as this song was released 
Uh, and like I said, I wonder if this will get Kate Bush into the Hall of Fame next year. I think it's something. Oh, I, I think so. Yeah, I think they may. Even if she doesn't get voted in, I wonder if they'll kind of give her one of those wild card slots and just kind of put her in there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, not a, not a lot of like groundbreaking. Oh, I, I got an announcement. Yep. That uh, Anna, my wife, is doing a music quiz podcast. Oh, yeah. So this is your I, I saw Anna. I didn't yes. know if this was your wife or not. OK. Yes. And what it is, it's like 15 minutes and she has 10 questions. where she plays songs. You either have to name you have to name the song or name the movie the song was in or something like that. So it's very good if you're a music fan. If you you know play it around friends, it's just ten quick questions, right? And uh, no, it's a great concept. It's a bit of a music quiz. It's great if you're like a real music nerd, I guess, because you can really sort of like test your knowledge, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, check that out. Music I quiz. Is there, um, is there so there's a, is there a dot com link for that? No, it's on um, it's on iTunes and Spotify and all that okay. nonsense. Music, okay. So it's, you could just search it. I um, and and there are a lot of good music podcasts out there, but this is a good one because it's more it's more of a quiz type structure, which a lot of them aren't. So it's it's just a fun a fun thing. It's quite short. Test your musical knowledge. Yeah, I see it out there, um, Freddie. Yep, I see it on. Yeah, pop, make it pop. make it happen. So I think she'll try and put some quizzes together. That we can try. And yeah, I, I'll say that pretty good. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's good to see Mrs. Burke uh, into the my, my wife. I will not let participate in this this, this <laughs> show. Her music taste is terrible. <laughs> ah, it's no, almost we, it's almost non-existent, unfortunately. <laughs> we got because we are both into music. I think at the moment we have like four or five hundred records or something. Wow. See, I've dragged my wife to every concert or maybe listen go. to everything I have. She's very tolerant. I'll say that she she's really a good sport, but she doesn't she just doesn't have the same. I guess uh, she's not really into it like I am. So mm. um. now, if you are like I've seen Coop, you know, on a lot of stuff already. It's because the PCA shows and panels and news are out. So I guess what not without I mean you know stealing all the thunder because you got you know shows and stuff out there. Um, what what's sort of like the biggest takeaways for PCA for you, Coop? Like either cigar, like cigars you're excited for, or just general stuff. Um, yeah. So you know, I think there were two big stories at the PCA. Um, not not something related. To, one was related to a cigar. One wasn't. Uh, you know, obviously Guy Fieri at the Espinosa booth uh, mm. was huge. Uh, there were there were lines, there were crowds. I got to meet Guy. Um. What I'll say is Espinosa did a fantastic job at organizing Guy Fieri. Oh, uh, good. They yeah. should get they should get high grades. Um, execution was perfect. Um, so good job by that. You know, and they have a new Espinosa. Uh, they have a new um, knuckle sandwich cigar out called mm. the um, Chef Special, which is a Figurado. I did smoke that. really good. I, I got to get more. Hector says he gave me more than not one. He didn't. Ah. <laughs> He said he gave me the 10th anniversary cigars and, and he did. I'm just or or someone from my team had had him. And maybe uh, Hector him. getting getting blasted. No, Hector's been, blast. Hector, Hector, Hector gets no blasting. He is. He is. As I told you before the show, he is uh, gotten a lifetime exemption. Uh. Anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got to say Espinosa did a great job at the show. Oh, good. Um, they really deserve high grades. 
Now, the other story was the Puente Padron collaboration. Mm. Now, mm. I it w- that was a little more disorganized, is what I'll say. Um, there really wasn't a spot for the media to cover it. Uh, there was a, I mean, look, it was great that it was at the show, and I'm sure it's going to be a, a huge hit. But no one knows much about how to get the cigar, what it's going to call. Could have had something where the media could have done a better job at covering mm. that. Um, but you know, but that was a big story at the show. I still think it's a great thing to see these two families come together. Uh, and I think in the end, it's going to be, you know, it will wash and it will be a good thing. So that was a big story, too. Mm. Um, a couple of booze you may be interested in, Dave. And I'll mention Ooh. the Crown Heads, Ace Prime, uh, Osgoner family. Yeah. Uh, I got to say the best cigar I had at the show was Mass Igneous by uh, Ace Prime. It's not- Yeah, they I smoked a ton of them. Yeah. They crown heads leading into the show. We're, we're doing a lot of releases. So they, they have a lot of stuff around, a lot of new stuff around. It's kind of funny. Their stuff got a little overshadowed because of the Osgoner and the Ace Prime stuff, right? Uh, uh, yeah. But, but they have the uh, Esfumado, uh, which is a PCA exclusive. And then La Pesticia is now going to be a regular production line. Regular production. And that's yeah. a great cigar. Yeah. Oh, it is. Uh, the, the Osgoner cigars. By the way, Tim Osgoner, I is a unbelievable guy to meet. Um, I just, I had never really, I had met him years ago before I was even doing media, uh, you know, but, but I really got a chance to talk to him. Bear, I got to say, Bear has an interview with Huber and Osgener. Mm. I think that's one of, uh, it's like one of the best interviews I think anyone's done at a trade show. Oh. Um, yeah, it, it's something really good. And then Luciano, who's the guy from Ace Prime, he did a blending seminar at the Media Compound for us. Oh, wow. Uh, which was really good deconstructing stuff. And, and if you get to know Luciano, you'll understand why Crown Heads is now turning more and more over to his factory. This guy's just mm. a tobacco. This guy's the next thing in tobacco, I believe. Um, I mean, he's on his way to becoming the next master is what I'll tell people. All right. Okay. He, he, I mean, this guy, if you watch that, that video he did, and he's done a few other shows since then, uh, and, and knowing that he's a quality human being to get to know. Mm. Um, now this mass igneous, right. It's named for the wine company that he owns too. I right. had one at the party, like crown heads, ace prime sponsored the opening party. I didn't like it. I'm like, right. Kind of, but we went to, uh, he had an event out uh, at, at the house he was renting a, a, a wine and cigar tasting. And I, I smoked some other sizes of that. And wow. I mean, it just, this became, right. I never have a cigar at the trade show where I smoke like four or five of them, but I kept wanting to go back to the cigar. It was that good. Wow. Well, I hope when it hits the market, it's going to remain as good. Uh, but it was, mm. a, it was, it was really, so, Dave, I think this is something you will really enjoy this cigar. Ooh. Yeah. Well, no, I um, no, I like I like the I like most of the stuff or uh, Crown Heads and Ace Prime stuff. So yeah, yeah, I'll be excited for that. Now, so um, oh, what was I was gonna say, so uh, were there any other sort of standout cigars for you to be on the radar? Our whole team seemed to like the Alec Bradley Double Broadleaf. Um, right, I think there's a good consensus that we like that cigar. So I think that's one to certainly uh, check out. Um, I my father had a very good release uh, with the Lebeju Hundred Años. Yes, um, that's I'm a limited release, but but I tell you what, it was it was a, it was a very very good cigar uh, for sure. 
Um, and then Pete has the Verico Blues, which I smoked that yesterday. And mm. another excellence, I, I think Pete, and that's going to be a regular production cigar. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's another really, really good one. Um, so, yeah, there, there were definitely some good cigars. I have there's still a lot I have to get to. I'm trying to think of mm. some. You know, I like the Esteban Carreras's um, taken from the devil's hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I smoked that on the Dojo show the other night. That was a it's a Corojo they did, um, and I think Esteban Carreras is a brand that kind of really floats under the radar uh, a lot. Mm. They they just they don't do a lot of social media is why they they don't get the buzz, but their cigars are very good. So I definitely had a chance to smoke that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. No, it's um. Lots of stuff. I like I said. Well, I you know this is going to developing palettes review of the week. I just put the PCA recap that Coop mm-hmm. was on. It's just like recaps everywhere. And then if you're on Instagram, you're seeing all those shots. You're seeing how about that cigar? It's got a lot of stuff going. A lot of uh, I do have to say, Coop Bear's beard is is getting out of control. It's getting well, out of control. You know, I'm not going to issue the memo. He can, he's got to be an individual. <laughs> But his beard is definitely. He said he trimmed it, uh, but man, his, um, if I had a if I had a policy, there'd be a no beard policy on the team. His but. his beard is like another a coop staff member. It's like its own. <laughs> it needs its own shirt. Yeah, it's a lot of beard. But he, yeah. uh, but no, I saw Instagram that you guys were getting a lot of coverage, like yeah. Bear and Aaron and Ben, and you guys were sort of everywhere and. What a job uh, these guys, what a job everyone did on this team this year. Um, I mean, I just can't, uh, Aaron Nielsen, actually, he had a, a, he, he had come out a day late. He had something personal that he had to deal with. Um, and I wouldn't have been upset if he couldn't have made it and he still made it. And then he comes out there and he's dealing with a work issue on top of that, because I had to deal with a work issue too, privately, Mm. um, with our, so, uh, and, and throughout all that, he did a great job. Um, so uh, I made sure he made got samples from day one that he missed. So he got a special pack yeah. of, of samples. But yes. yeah, these guys all worked really hard. Ben has been going nonstop, doing a lot of stuff on the back end. Uh, you know, Bear, I think was really Bear had a lot more time to prep this year for the interviews. Last year we only mm. brought Ben in like three weeks before the show. So yeah, um, I think our coverage is, was better. I think there's a few things we still need to fix. Um. But I think we had better audio for the most part this year. And uh, you know, a couple of other little things that I think we need to fix. But that's mm. what you do. You improve. Yeah. Um, and, I, uh, and yeah. oh, how is Media House? That's um, what people really want to know. Well, the Media House this year took a little bit of a different vibe because we actually had a lot of offsite events the first few nights. Oh. And then the last two nights, uh, unfortunately, that's when the COVID stuff started spreading. And in fact, for the final night, I basically told the guys we're cutting off anyone else. Like, if anyone was invited, they come, and then that's it. Uh, if you weren't invited, we're not we're not extending the invites. And unfortunately, most of the guests got COVID, and we didn't. Oh no! One, no one in the media house tested positive. That oh was, wow, media house! Look at you. Yeah, uh, locking it down. Well, I mean, I consider ourselves lucky more than anything. But um, there were no one was ser- seriously. Uh, sick um so yeah but the the highlight of the media house this year was luciano's blending seminar that we did on mm. the final night uh we have a recording of that out there 
Uh, but there was a lot that we did before that, um, kind of just going through his tobaccos and stuff. Um, and I should mention the only guys who didn't get the hustle guys didn't get sick and they were at the house the night before. Oh, good so, on you. So Mike and Mike were out there. And, uh, you know, they're, they're always staples of the media house. And, um, you know, they, they didn't get sick, luckily. So. Nice. Yeah. Uh, media house. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, it wasn't the best media house we had this year. I'll say that. Uh, like last year, I think it was the best one we ever had. This one had some issues um, that probably, you know, just not the best rental. But, uh, you know, we're already <laughs> we're already starting the scout compounds for next year. Uh, for, I hope we can get that house back we had last year because that was a, a massive. That was a true oh, compound we had. Right. That was the we'll definition of a compound that we had. Yeah. We'll get onto it. Yeah. But uh, no, good to hear that, you know, the show came off. Yeah, I, like I said, it was uh, you were missed uh, <sighs> for sure. So uh, a lot of people were asking about you. So uh, hey, you're not fly forgotten. me out. Yeah, Skip. Uh, Skip hears the show. He listens to the show. Fly me out, Skip. Yeah, Skip wasn't even at the compound this year. Uh, but Skip was. Skip came into the show last minute, and he just yeah. had a, a boost that he wasn't exhibiting product. But it was a chance for him to meet with his customers. So I think he did a good job with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he has Weasel Fest coming up soon, I think. I, I someone told me about this, uh, and I think it's again doing it on a holiday weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, Labor Day. I just I I've seen buzz about it online. I I, I, I haven't remember. I haven't seen it, but I've been told by mo- multiple people about it. Yeah. So yeah. So he's got that, but uh, but no, check out. How about that cigar? Check out Joey Pallets. Check out Dojo. They all got panels. Coops on all of them. Yeah, but, I would uh, love to pop out the cigar panel. Um, I'll say that uh, that was an interesting panel. So I'll just that... leave it at that. Ooh, <laughs> um, I didn't agree with a lot of the comments made on that show is what I'll just say. Not that it was, wow. a, it was a fine show, but there were a lot I disagreed with in terms of direct. There was a lot talked about direction at a trade show. And I don't agree with the direction they were talking about in the trade show. I think the trade show needs to grow. I think it needs to get more elaborate. And um, mm. that wasn't the, that wasn't the case. So. So, yeah, that's mm. just my opinion. But but still should, definitely worth listening and watching that. Show. Oh, yeah. Check, yeah, check it all out. Yeah. So let's get let's get to cigars, Coop. And this is a cigar. I let Coop <clears throat> introduce it because it like ties into his stuff. But yeah, this is a cigar Coop sent me and it made it. So yep. I get to have it as well. So this is this is a uh, and people know I'm not really gung ho on all these single store releases. Uh, just because they. They underwhelm me, but I got to say there was a series of cigars done for Tailored Smoke, uh, which is a store in Charlotte. They're one of my home stores. I have like four home stores. Um, and um, But they're an Oscar Valadares Lounge. And this one is the Superfly Maduro blend mm. in a massive Salomon. Mm. I mean, this yeah, is these that. 5 by 57, these, excuse me, uh, 7 by 57 Salomons. Uh, I don't think Oscar's released a Salomon before. Um, I know he's got one coming out with the 10th anniversary. Uh, but this mm-hmm. is, yeah, so this is only available at Tailored Smoke. You can call them uh, if you want, if you're interested in them. Uh, I'm sure they could get them to you and ship them to you. Uh, you can see it's got the Tailored Smoke band on. But I have not smoked this one, Dave. Um, mm. We, I think we picked, I don't, we picked this for different reasons, I think. This is going to tie into one of my songs tonight, and I think you just picked them because you were excited to smoke it. I don't think you knew my song. You didn't know my song when this was picked. I did not know uh, yeah. know the song when I picked it. I so I've had 
Um, this and a couple of whatever their, you know, regular sizes are. Um, I didn't have, what's the other, is there a Connecticut Superfly? There's another Superfly. Yeah, the Connecticut Superfly as well. I haven't had that one. I've had this and I really, really like it. So I was very excited about this. Um, I love the band on the Cigar Coupe. I love it. Uh, I do too. Uh, the purple. Uh, oh. You know, I gotta say, I'm, I'm already doing the dry drawer on this. It's really good. Oh. You know, and a lot of Oscar stuff's been hit or miss for me. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah. The, uh, two, the, the 2000, the 2012 line has generally been good, the ones I've had anyway. Yeah, and they got, I think I was mentioning Taylor Smoke has a Churchill, a rounded Churchill, which I really like that um, mm. in the Corojo, yeah. Um, but no, I'm excited for this one. But yep. uh, This is a bad boy. This is, uh, I'm going to have to light this one up right now. I held off. It's a big cigar. It's a big um, cigar. Yeah, I mean, because I'm used to like short salt, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like shorter ones. I, I got to admit, I do like the short Salomon format, particularly if you've seen the one Crux does. Yeah, um, I like that. Um, and, you know, Salomon's, it's just it's a uh, they're hit or miss with me. I got to be honest with you. Um, but this one's gotten high grades, at least from the people who, who are customers at Taylor Smoke seem to like it. I'm sure I'll like it. Uh, and this has got that like San Andreas Maduro they're using on here. Mm, I got to say, Coop, I love San Andreas. You could wrap a fence post in San Andreas and I would smoke it. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I'll say this. Rocky Patel, whatever he's been getting with his San Andreas wrappers of late have been just hit after hit in my book. Yes. Was it the vintage? Yeah. Was it 2006? Or uh, the fi- uh, 2005, the orange one. Yeah, that is good. It is good. Um, it actually was good in the TAA, as a TAA cigar. They did one, and it was really good. Go figure, TAA cigar. Yeah, I know. Don't say that often. Um, I, I, I didn't love the Rocky 60 that used it, but it wasn't a bad cigar either. Just, I don't think it – I think it was just me, not the cigar. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. As you say. Yes. Uh, perfect song, Scoop. So – I, I thought of this. I don't know. I was sitting around listening to music and I'm like, there's some songs that you listen to. And you're like, this is a perfect song. I, ca- I cannot conceive of this song being any better than it is right now. You know? Yeah. Um, like, and, and I just said, I thought of this show. I ran by Coop. He's very excited for it. And it's sort it's very subjective. So it's, it's like, I'm not saying that the songs that we're going to say are, don't have flaws because some of them do, but it's more like, I can't imagine this song being any better or it's a perfect example of a genre. So like if, if, if you were to say, if you had to give an alien comes to earth and they're like, well, what, what's heavy metal music, you would give them this song. Like, you you know what I mean? Like, it's like a perfect representation of the genre. Um, so I thought it'd be cool to, cool to, uh, to talk about some of our, our perfect songs. I mean, how did you, going into a coop, what did you sort of think of it? Well, I had very similar criteria to you in terms of, mm. like I said, there, it's hard to say something's perfect, right? Like, there could be flaws, but it's hard yeah. to, like, in terms of, could I have done anything better? Um, you know, so, for example, there's, there's one song I, I was going to include, and I don't like one line in the lyrics. And because I didn't yeah. like the line in the lyrics, I didn't include it, right? Yeah. But even if, even if even if that line was out of there, I could probably find a couple of things. But I, I kind of uh, equated it to the hundred point scale in cigars. Mm. You know, if you're going to go hundred, then that means there's no further 
movement you can go. Um, I, (laughs) this was interesting, right? I I went down a road with this that I kind of couldn't turn back around on. All right. I, I looked a lot at track composition and decomposition a lot with this, right? I ended up going with a lot of songs that's using more synthesizer than probably I would have mm-hmm. liked. So I kind of mm-hmm. came back from that a bit, but I, I still think that they were important to keep these on there. But, but, but like, as Dave said, this is not a complete list. I think we could easily no. do other shows on this. For oh, sure. yeah. Um, the other thing I'll say is I didn't use any deep cuts except for one. Mm. And it's a, it's a caveat because it was made famous. It just wasn't famous until many years later. So I kind of tried this with songs that people have heard of um, and, you know, are ones that stood the test of time. So in other words, if I listen to this song, if this song is 50 years old, it should still connect with me 50 years later. Mm. Um, so I kind of went with that. But I also included some newer songs, Dave. Because I think you'd be surprised. I went I went newer with a couple of the tracks. Ooh, here. I'm very surprised. Yeah, I, I did. So, I mean, I have one, I think, as recent as 2011, which is 10 oh, there years. There you go. Yeah. I don't think. I, I, yeah. I'd have to look. I don't know if I have any. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I I, I, I whacked this this show together quite quickly. But it, it, it was. It was it, it's interesting. Yeah, it was. We, we kind of came up with the idea quickly. Uh, but I think we concluded we could do a series of shows on these for a lot, and we'll get into I think a lot of the reasons why as we get into that. Oh yeah, I, I uh, I'm looking at the notes. Well, the other thing is I pick songs that are on Spotify, so I think all mine the, are on Spotify. I think I, all mine were on Spotify. I know your, your, yours were because I my my issue was one of the songs that I think is a perfect song is "After the Gold Rush" by Neil Young, but he's not on Spotify anymore. So I'm like, well, that's not fair to the listener so yeah i didn't put him on there yeah and we we love neil by the way despite you know some of the haters out there with me after the after the gold rush is perfect. yeah it's I a great song, song guys oh Forget, god yeah. yeah uh but what i find interesting i'm looking at your show notes which i never thought of but it's an amazing point by you is that the production is a key element of of this as well yeah i i think it i think it is now and that's just me, how the way I did it, um, because I do get into a little bit of, of the music theory behind it. Sometimes I'm not going to go heavy into music theory tonight, no. but a lot of it, I did kind of do a lot of uh, these are songs. I, I was familiar with a lot of the theory behind these songs already. So it may, you know, wasn't as hard. A couple of them I had to go research for this show. But it's uh, but that's a great point, because like we keep I mean, we forget about it, but but we do album archaeology. It definitely comes up. It's just how important the producer is. Yeah. To the sound and what you're getting. And yeah. yeah and the mixer is important, too. Yeah. Like so the mixer and, plays yeah. a key role in a lot of these. When when you have to take these tracks and put them together, that's where the mixer's job comes yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's kick it off, Coop. Your, yep. Let's kick off your first one, which is amazing. Yeah. OK. Um. So some of these we went by we went by genre with some of these. So yeah. in terms of and some of them, I think are a little more generic, but this is a genre one. <coughs> Excuse me. I went alternative and I'll say this is alternative pop, for lack of a better word. Mm. Uh, the artist is the cure and the song is just like heaven from 1987. Oh, yes. So I believe when you look back at the 80s, um, 
this is one of the songs that changed the music landscape in the late 80s, 1987. Uh, because what, what The Cure and Robert Smith did is basically they took their edgy indie sound and they made a pop song out of it, right? Mm. And the thing is, is I'm the guy who a good pop song has to come in under four minutes, right? I'm the guy who likes the six to eight minute track. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but what this song does in under four minutes is, is more than satisfying with it, right? And what I love about this is that opening 49 seconds, all right, where the cure kind of introduces the the instruments. And first you hear that drum and bass, the low riff guitars, the acoustics, the keyboard, the electric guitars. And then Smith comes in with the vocals going, show me, show me, show me. I mean, it's just Mm. at 40. And here's the thing. That's not pop friendly if you think about it, okay? Because pop friendly, you get into the you get into the vocals within the first ten seconds. He has you. He wets your appetite for forty nine seconds, and and you're into it, right? Mm. Um, there's high energy drums throughout this song. There's a piano interlude in this song. Um, I mentioned mix. This was mixed by a guy by the name of Bob Clear Mountain, who back then was considered the best in the business. Um. I just I think the cure changed the game for pop music. Um in in this song is the complete package for me. I, I don't get tired of this song. Um and the four minutes is perfect for me with this. So that's my first pick. Uh just like Kevin by the Cure. That's an excellent pick. When I, I have to say, when I looked at the list, which was last night, um, because I got the notes and so I'll oh, see what Coop put on there. I was like, oh my God, like these are all bangers that i love this song it's just it is it's a perfect song really um yeah it really is um and it has i mean it's just again i get into a lot of if you this is a great song if you could dissect the tracks and listen to the individual tracks for the instruments play it's amazing what what how this song was put together oh yeah no yeah 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 Yeah. oh great pick oh love it good yep thank you I don't know if my first pick was inspired by, I think, it was, yeah, it was. It was inspired by Thor, Love and Thunder, which I saw uh-huh. uh, with Anna and my daughter, and we were watching it. And Anna and I were talking on the way home and playing the song. We're like, is this not just a perfect song? And we decided, like, yes, it is a perfect song. And it is Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, Coop. Oh, my God. Gosh, it, it, same year, nineteen eighty. I believe it's a nineteen eighty-seven release around then. So, oh, it's just a perfect rock song. I would say, like, if we're looking genre, it's perfect rock song. I think, um, uh, yep. at a time where music was sort of uh, devoid of sort of that classic rock vibe, um, and because uh, you look at when it came out, Coop. I mean, it came out right before Nirvana, and I think. I think really helped Nirvana in a lot of ways, but it came out at a time where music was sort of like flattened out. It was very poppy. Like there wasn't a lot of, we're coming out of hair. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, And appetite for destruction came out and it was more of that, like whiskey fueled LA. Yeah. You know, um, this isn't your like overproduced hair. This is, you know, this is more your straight up. Yeah. Definitely, this is that late LA. I don't want to call it glam. This is not really glam rock, but it, I, I, the LA scene was more glam rock in the early '80s, and then it kind of went yes. to this. Like Harry you said, and it kind of went to this in the late '80s. White Snake and those bands started coming on. Uh, 
look, this is this is I mean, this is a Mount Rushmore song for Guns N' Roses. I mean, oh. this is, for sure. Oh, I said I said this is the height of L.A. cocaine and Jack Daniels rock yeah. is basically what it was. It, what's and, funny about this, Dave, I am mean to interrupt. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's got it's got probably one of the best, most famous guitar riffs in history. Yeah. It'd have to be. The funny thing is, I, 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 I listen to Paradise City more. Maybe I like it more. But Paradise City has a lot more flaws in this song is what I'll just say. You it's, know, what I mean, if I if, if I had a, I don't have to like explain is a good explanation on it, but there's not a, like they said the guitar work in this song is amazing. Oh, Axel Rose is vocal. Yeah, Slash's guitar yeah. in this song is incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's so so yeah so perfect song for me. Sweet Child of Mine, Guns N' Roses. Nice pick. Nice pick. Um. Oh, your next one. Love this song, Coop. I love. Uh, I love this. Like all his stuff, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, and this was the inspiration for the cigar. Um, the artist is Curtis Mayfield. Ooh. The song is Freddie's Dead. Uh, I put this into soul. I put this into soul music. Yeah, is where I put it. Okay. Um, so yeah, it is the nineteen. It's from nineteen seventy-two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why? What a connection is if you don't know this song was featured in the movie Superfly, but it really wasn't. Yeah. So the instrumental oh. of it was featured in Superfly, but um, the actual uh, song with the lyrics, I think, came out after that. Uh, and it laments the death of a character named Fat Freddy. So uh, and, you know, this song is it's kind of what I say is quintessential Curtis Mayfield. Um, yes. It's got the socially conscious uh, lyrics, which is really so. And I, I think, you know, as far as like a social conscious lyricist, Curtis Mayfield is it. I mean, he he is. Um, yeah, it get, it's hard yeah. to get better than him. But the, the arrangement in this song is amazing. There's a very strong bass line. Uh, mm. Why do I put wah wah guitars? I, I mean, it's just you're loving it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but there's some great guitar work in here. And then there's like this string orchestration. Uh, these strings that are kind of melancholy. Mm. Um, but. I think that this is, you know, I think Curtis really does a good job at kind of as the quarterback of this song mm. in that he is able to kind of switch gears from that melancholy to that optimistic mm. and back and forth there. Um, and it's got a beat like no other, you know, you know, and you can mm. see if you watch a Superfly movie, you'll kind of get that. But I mean, this song. To me, it's I. I mean, I think Curtis Mayfield still doesn't get the due he deserves. To be honest with you, he's he's an amazing, amazing artist. He oh, Coop is an amazing pick. I mean, there's some artists on here that we're going to talk about that could have multiple that have multiple perfect songs. I, I can't change uh, anything in this song. That was the thing. I couldn't change anything in this. Song. Oh no! I mean, and he's one. I mean, you have this song. You have Pusher Man. You have Superfly, which is just all. And you could. I mean, and they've. And not just that, but like the amount of times that they've been sampled since then, yeah, shows like the impact he's had on music in yeah. general. Like, oh, Curtis Mayfield, totally, yeah, I agree, totally underrated. Yeah. he's amazing. This song got ripped off of a couple, not ripped off, but it got the uh, when it came to awards, it kind of got the short end of the stick. So mm. it lost the best R and B song that year to, to a very good song though. Papa was a Rolling Stone. So I mean, that's an yeah. incredible song. I mean, you lose into it. So that one, I okay, but they ruled this ineligible. For the Academy Award for Best Original Song because the lyrics weren't sung. Oh, boo! 
Yeah, it, that's a, and that's a shame because, like I said, this song, uh, it, it's just such a great song. Yeah, so, yeah, get on Curtis Mayfield, man. Great pick, Coop. I, uh, yep. No, thank you. Oh. Now we're going to go to opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> this one I knew was going to be on your list. I, I knew this yeah. artist was going to be on your list. <laughs> I got a bit of a pop sort of vibe. I um I went Taylor Swift with Blank Space. Now, I think 1989 is a perfect pop record. Like, record. It is like the, like, if an alien came down and he's like, or she, or it, is like, hey, what's with all this pop music you keep talking about? What is that? I would just give them the 1989 record. Because it has, like, it has, all the songs have hooks. It's got some you know, great synth on it. It's it's a perfect pop record, I think. Um, and like I said, the song has it all. So it's got a great vocal. It's got a good beat to it. It's got a great hook. I mean, what uh, John um, Antonoff it has a lot to do with what's going on in this record. And and he, when we're talking about producers, like he did some great stuff with Diana Ross. So he talked about last year or the year before, one of those, I think last year. And, uh, he, he, you know, he did the stuff, a lot of stuff to kind of kickstart Taylor's um, pop sort of takeover, really, at this point. Um, so it, looking at producers, like he did a lot with that. And then um, it, it and, and it's just gr- like her vocal is just perfect for the arrangements he puts around that. And it's just a great. A great record, and I think the best example of that sort of perfect pop sensibility is Blank Space. Yeah, I think, and Dave, I think that's a good way you put it. It's it's a, if you want to, this is one I think I would put into a genre. It's Mm -hmm. a pop. It's a pop record. It fits everything that a pop record should have. Um, And I'm not surprised you picked it. I I just didn't know which song of Taylor's you were going to put on here. Uh, but, But I'm not surprised that it was this one for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. some people might put Shake It Off. I just think it was overplayed. Yeah. I, so it just got played into the ground for me. So I had to, like, look for something else. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely agree with that, too. I mean, like I said, uh, Blank Space, uh, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, I think it's a song oh. you're going to really like. I don't think there's much you could change with that song either. No, and, I, and like I said, I think this goes back to your original point, which was so spot on, is that production. Yeah. Because the production on this really really took it to that other level, in my opinion. Yep. Um, oh, speaking of synth, because, yep. yeah, the, there's great synth on this record. Speaking of synth, it was probably inspired by your next pick. Yeah. Because <laughs> I went down a synthesizer route. Oh, I knew you were going to pick this song as well. <laughs> yeah. That was a, um. So I called this synth pop. Uh, for mm. a song close to perfection or perfection. Uh, the artist is the Pet Shop Boys. The song is the West End Girls uh, mm. from 1985. So this song, I think, was very, like, the Pet Shop Boys have had a five decade career of success. I mean, they just headlined Glastonbury. I mean, yeah, they're, they're still putting out great music. Yeah, they're very big in Europe. OK, not as big here, but they are very big in Europe is what it's important enough. But yeah. West End Girls is the most popular oh. song in the U.S. that, that is known. It's their number was a number one hit for them, but 
this is what's interesting about this. Song. There's a lot of versions of this song that have been done over the years. This was actually the second or third version that was done that was released with this song. So in 84, there was a version of this song that came out. It was done by a, a guy, um, a producer named Bobby Orlando. Um, and it was very much a, a club type song. It was yeah. a, disco, a dance club. Disco was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that was a bad word at that point, but it was a dance club type. So it wasn't, wasn't bad. Right. But they decided to rework the cigar and they brought in a producer by the name of Stephen Haig um, in 1985 to rework it for their album, please. And I think yeah. it was Stephen Haig that took this song and he perfected it. Okay. He perfected it. All right. So that Bobby Orlando one, decent song by no means a perfect thing. They just did a lot with this song. Um, I'll talk, I'll talk about the lyrics in a second, but the little things that Haig did, like when you hear the opening of West End Girls, there's this, there's this traffic sound like of, mm. of the streets. And literally Haig went out with a Sony Walkman recorder oh, and yeah. recorded that. Right. Wow. Um, he basically, um, convinced Neil Tennant, the, uh, the, the lead vocalist to kind of do a combination of rap and, 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 and choruses song. Right. So they use like, he uses different microphones and there's different octaves that we used with that recording there. Um, the song itself is, I think a lot about the lyrics, right? The lyrics are really inspired by, uh, Neil Tennant wrote the lyrics who's on the patch up boys. It's T.S. Yeah. It's the wasteland focused on class and inner city, uh, uh, pressure. Also can't forget the cowbell songs that are in this, like the cowbell no. is really cool. This when when Stephen Hay kind of just taking this really good song that Neil Tennant wrote, he tweaks it, um, and I can say kind of makes it a little less of a dance song, and it, it becomes a song I think that transcended a lot of different genres, whether it was alternative rock, disco, or even mm. rap, and and you ha- you get this song that's just uh, I love this song, and I think it's a song you know it's now thirty seven years old, and I yeah. think it set the stage for a lot that we've seen. Uh, particularly in the electronic uh, movement over mm. the past year. Um, like I said, kind of just, like I said, this was just a case of taking a decent song and perfecting it. And I think Haig did that with, with the Pet Shop Boys here. No, I agree with everything you say there. I, 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 I think, too, like, it's interesting to put 1989 next to this track because, like, the opening track, Welcome to New York, is, like, heavy synth. Yeah, and it I, is. And yeah. I think... I think a lot of what the Pet Shop Boys and New Order as well around the same time ish, um, a lot of how they they use synth and popularize in pop is now coming back. Coop. Like, I think it's sort of reemerged and it, but it was because of what they did. So they really laid the I mean, it's really laid the groundwork for music now. Yeah. Um, but I love that. I was just talking about that song the other day as well. I love that song. It, it, you know, a lot of people, Pet Shop Boys, I get her an acquired taste. But this song, I think, is one, it could be played anywhere and people will get into it. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. That's yeah. a great song. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, it's, I'm a big Pet Shop Boys fan, as you know. And, uh, but to yeah. me, that's, that's, and, and by the way, there's so many good, um, there's, there's been a lot of other versions of this song, whether it's mixed, mm-hmm. they've done some slowed down versions. Um, the live version of this song is incredible, by the way. Um, I can they, imagine. Yeah. And, and here's a little known fact, okay? So this, the Pet Shop Boys have, are a duo. It's Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe. And for like the past like 30 years, Chris Lowe has um, 
basically hid behind a mask. He, he's in the background. But the music yeah. video, he's very prominently featured in the music video for West End Girls. But okay. He's the man of mystery, Chris Lowe, uh, behind the Pet Shop Boys. So. Nice. I, yeah. Well, I, I kept going pop. That's cool. And uh, I went with Rihanna's Umbrella. This one surprised me. This was the one pick I was surprised with you on that. One. Oh, it is perfect pop song. Now, okay, okay, yeah. You could argue that you could get Jay Z out of there, and that's, that's fine. Right, right, right. I I'll grant you that. That you know, the, if if I was to say the one flaw, it's like cut Jay Z out. But that's okay. Like if you get if you if you get past that, um. It's just the hook. It's one of the best hooks I like in pop music ever. Like the hook in it is incredible. And and like, you know, I mean, it probably has like a billion listens or something. Um, it's been covered a lot. It's been like, you know, uh, Tom Holland did a famous lip sync to it. Yeah, It's like all over the place. It is just so good. And and uh, I mean, she has a couple perfect like pop tracks. Rihanna does. Um, but this the hook in this coop, I think, is what really puts it over the edge. And 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 uh, yeah, it's just a great song. I love Rihanna. I love the song. I think it's it's the, the hook really is what does it for me. Um, it, it's because what every time you get you get past you get into that into that hook. It just, it's just perfect. Like, I don't know how you make that hook any better, really. Um, yeah, so, and, yeah. My, my, and my surprise of it wasn't that I don't think it's a, a, a worthy song by any means. I guess there were artists I expected to be on your list that surprisingly weren't. That, that was why I was surprised by it. Well, I, what I, so I'll give you a little behind the scenes. Okay. So I, I was, I've been thinking about this and I put Spotify on and I made my list in about 10 minutes. I was just like, bang, 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 like, and then I looked at it and I'm like, oh, I can't take any of these off. Right. I, I and, and I, I went down <laughs> a similar road, by the way, when, when I started putting something on there and I said, I can't take it off. I did have that same thing. So I'm like, well, we'll just do another show. So yeah. Rihanna stays on. But it was. um, Yep. And I know she listens to the show. Yeah. Big absolutely. Fan. Yep. So hopefully you get a new album out from her. Like, I, I would love yeah. that. But uh, yeah, great. I love that track. I love it. Um, all right. So you're you're you you're going to a different genre now on your list here. Yep, I'm going disco. Now, oh, before, it's not the Bee Gees, guys. It's not the <laughs> Bee Gees. Uh, but it is the queen of disco, Donna Summer. There you go. The song is "I Feel Love." It's from 1977. This is, in my opinion. This is the greatest disco song probably ever created. <laughs> I mean, I mean, whoa, it, whoa, whoa, whoa. There was whoa. no question that, that when I picked disco, it was going to be this track. And there's some great ones. But whoa. This, yeah. I just have to I just had to take I just have to take a time out because Coop, as you know, is the disco aficionado. Like if this is like there's cigar aficionado, and then there's Coop, who's both the cigar and the disco aficionado. So Coop knows his disco. So for you to throw out that this is the best song in disco ever. That's pretty, that's pretty high praise. Yeah, no, I, it is. Um, I mean, 
you know, as I was kind of prepping for this, I said, I got to somehow twist Dave to do a Donna Summer show at some point, right? Hey, let's do it. I'm yeah, writing it yeah. down. And if yeah, I write no, it so down, it means it's happening. All right. Because Donna Summer, I, I mentioned a lot of, you know, I talked a lot about disco, how it was very, it's a very opening type of uh, genre yeah. of music. Uh, it gave people a lot of opportunities. But Donna Summer really, I think, took disco and made it a craft, right? Because she was famous for doing, a, her albums were very much conceptual type of albums. Uh, which you don't see in disco a lot, right? This song, I Feel Love, was on an album called I Remember Yesterday. And what they were doing is they were doing songs from every decade, right? And this song was the final track on the album. And it was meant to say, here's a look at what music is going to look like in the future, right? Mm -hmm. So it has this, like, uh, it has a big electronic music foundation in this song, right? It uses, like, mm. synthesizers. Uh, in fact, the synthesizer is used for almost everything except for uh, the uh, kick drum and Summer's vocals, right? But here's where it really kind of gets interesting. They bring in uh, Giorgio Moroda and Pete Ballot, um to kind of work on this song with her. And Giorgio Moroda is, he really at the time was the big... Uh, instrumentational guy in, in, in disco and in, he, he was he was at his he was on fire. Apparently, Donna Summer met him while doing something in Germany. They hit it off and they decided to collaborate together. Um, and you know that that's you listen to that that melody that beat it it very much has a vibe of 1970s, mm. 2040. Okay, all right, okay, that's yeah. how, it almost like it almost was like Space Odyssey the type song, right? Yeah, that type of song. Right. But here's where I think it really um, here's where I think it really comes special. So Donna Summer, they were they were working on this. They were getting ready to go into the studio to record this. And Donna Summer was like big into astrology. And before she walked into the studio, I guess she got something from an astrologer saying that there was a guy by the name of Bruce Sedano who she was dating. And the astrologer said, this is the one for you. And, uh, and turned out she married Bruce Sedano and stayed married until she died to him. Right. Uh, oh, wow. Right. And I believe, and a lot of people believe this as well. So it's not just me. When she went and laid those tracks down for I Feel Love, it was only a couple of hours after getting that. So mm. her, her mind was in a, in a place to deliver those, those vocals, which just, you, you, they're real. They're so real, those vocals. Um, it's incredible. Now, what I heard is she did one take. They, she only did one vocal take for this thing. That's what you. Yeah, that's I found that very surprising. Yeah. Put that and, in there. That's yeah, surprising. And, and, yeah. And in fact, the song I, I didn't I learned this recently it only took two to three hours to do. So I just recently learned this stuff. Right. I'm like this, this song. I mean, to me, it's a it's a song you play, like I said, in the 1970s. But I could see it being played on some spaceship in 2040. That's somewhere. Right, that's yeah. right. Um, it, 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 in my opinion, like I said, it's the, it's the best disco song ever created. Uh, with all due respect to a lot of great disco songs, um, it's it's this is number one on my list. Nice, oh, yeah. I love it. I, I, I yeah, love this. Song. Yeah, I was gonna say we're totally do a Donna Summer show because you're you're. Uh, would she be your favorite disco artist, Donna? Probably, definitely for female perspective. I'd say she's probably the deepest one. I'd probably say you know Donna Summer. I, the Bee Gees are. I like them better, but I don't consider them yeah. disco artists. They they dabbled right. in it, is what I say. Right, right, right. So right. I would say it's it's probably Donna Summer would be the, the as far as a pure disco artist goes. No, I. I will. We'll have to do a show because I'm not. I mean, t I mean, we do our. I mean, it could that could 
a Donna Summer show will double as out of your comfort zone because I am only familiar with like I think that would be a good. Hits. That's I think that would be a good one for you to do, Dave. Um, and you don't have to you, you don't have to go deep cuts with her either. Uh, right. But, but but she was a hit machine for about ten years. I mean, really to like from seventy five to eighty four. Um, and this was like I said, this was really this was this song came out before uh before Last Dance. So that's a keep that okay. in mind. Last Dance came out, and that's a different type of song. But yeah, but yeah. Hmm. Well. We're going to go from one genre disco to another one, hip hop. Yes. And I think it's a great, I mean, it's a perfect hip hop track. I think it's a, like one of the best tracks. I, I wasn't surprised this one was on your list. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it's not surprising. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the best tracks ever recorded. Uh, it's, it's at least like, if you're going to argue, where would it be? It would at least be in the top 10 of like tracks ever recorded, I think. And that's Public Enemy with Fight the Power. Uh, it's an iconic song. I mean, it's sort of transcended music in a lot of ways. Uh, Hard-hitting activist lyrics that are still important today. Like, they did a remix of it last year, I believe. Last year or the year before. Either two thousand, or the, either 2021 or 2020. He brought in new artists, and they did sort of like a remix of it. Um, and Chuck D is just... I love Chuck D. And he has this sort of... I put his vocals both caustic and urgent. So he has this really sort of um, the, his delivery is unlike a lot of rappers. It's really sort of raw and urgent. And when he's talking about these larger racial structural things, it's I said you could do a Ph.D. on this on this track. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. What, what's going on? Um, and I think I think a lot of it, too, is like public enemy. This is sort of at the height of public enemy. Like you're looking at uh, Fear of a Black Planet and then uh, Apocalypse 91. Like the, like you get that and then A Nation of Millions was like before there. That's sort of like their height, in my opinion. So this is coming. It's like right at the height. It's like you want to, you wanna, you know, have a perfect hip hop track. I think this is one. If you're looking at a coupe, like this is coming out at the same t- time NWA is coming out. Like hip hop is going through a revolution at this time as well, and uh, and yeah, it's an amazing song. So fight the power, yeah, perfect song, Coop. Good song. I wonder where this one's gonna lie on the Rolling Stone list. I think it's I don't know. It didn't come yet, right? I, I was trying to. No, 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 no. It's got to be top ten, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. But it's uh, it's a perfect song. It's uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's a good. That's a very good pick, Dave. Uh, Public Enemy didn't do good in the tournament this year. No, no I mean, I think I was a little surprised on that. Yeah. Well, it's it's hard to say because like they're 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 sort of a band where their albums are either like incredible, yeah, or are just sort of like don't register, right? You know. So I think that's the problem, but they're amazing like that stretch nation of millions which is the second record nation of millions fear of a black planet and apocalypse 91 like those three records are just unbeatable like it's it's an amazing three record sort of span and they sort of tail off from there but those three records are amazing i i i 
Coop, I have to admit, I saw this track or the next track you pick. I was shocked you had it, but I was surprised. And then I looked at it like, oh, no, Coop loves this track. Yep. All right. Um, so this is another case of perfecting something. Okay. That was out. Um, so the song's Valerie, and it's mm. the Amy Winehouse, Mark Ronson uh, version of the song. Um, so this, here's what I would say, Dave. We did that cover show on the old Cigar Jukebox years ago. Yes. I didn't include this song because I really wasn't as much into it as I've gotten into it in the last few years. So, right, okay. really, But it would have been on there, right? Because this, So this is, a, um, for folks who don't know the story with this song, is Mark Ronson, he is a, uh, he's, a, he's a musician. He's got roots as being a DJ and a producer. Um, he was putting together an um, a album called Version, which is a, yes. an album of covers. Okay. Now, what was interesting about this album is it wasn't like old covers, right? Um, it was kind of more recent songs being covered, right? So, you know, he's got Coldplay in there. He's got Britney Spears on this album, Ryan Adams. Um, and he actually um, was kind of, he kind of was into Amy Winehouse. He saw the talent that, that she had. And he asked her to come in and um, cover a song by the Zootons called Valerie, which only had been released like a year earlier, right? Decent right. song, the Zootons one. Um, but this is... <sighs> Ronson just kind of well, here's how I look at this. If the song is kind of like a franchise, right? He's mm. coming in and he and he's coming in as the new coach and he's bringing in a new quarterback, uh, Amy Winehouse and, and some surrounding players. Right. And he takes this song and he, and he basically takes the song into the stratosphere, because mm. in my opinion, Amy Winehouse and this and, and what he the way he his vision for the song was perfect. I mean, this was as perfect as it could be um, because this one has a more fast paced uh, orchestral vibe to it. Right. Right. The other thing that people may not know about is some people may notice, but some people, the the beat for this song, the foundation beat was actually from the jams Town Called Malice. Ah. And if you listen to Town Called Malice and, and you can see the beat sampled from that song and it's a very prominent part of it. Right. So he takes this. He adds this fast-paced drumming, right? You bring in the horns and the strings, right? And then Winehouse's vocals are just, like, amazing, okay? Now, I've mm. heard other versions where they're a little more acoustic. I don't think the acoustic versions. I think mm. this recorded version of it, this is as good a song as I've heard, you know, in the 2000s decade. Yep. Uh, case of taking the Zooten song, which is a good song, and making it as close to perfect as possible here. Uh so it was I almost had another Mark Ronson song on here, but there was a reason why I didn't put it on there. I could talk about that later. But um, but yeah, it was um, like I said, I just to me, it became Amy's song. Valerie became Amy's song. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just wish I understood her mindset going into the studio with that song because she just lays it on, lays it all down on that song. Mm. Now, it's interesting to have the, the perfect well, you're saying the per the perfect tracks so it's sort of like like uh, perfecting something over time. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, I thought could they have brought Madonna in to do that? You know, I was mm -hmm. trying to think of another artist that could have came in and did it. 
I couldn't. Amy was the one who there was no one else I could have thought of than Amy to do to carry out Ronson's vision of that song, which is to make it a little more up tempo type of orchestral type song. Mm, no, good pick. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy, I knew you're a big Amy Winehouse guy. Yep, I, I've gotten to appreciate her more in recent years too. Mm. I wasn't a big maybe I just wasn't into her when she was unfortunately alive, but I became mm. more into her late, you know. As she, after she passed, oh, I like. I had. You like the next one? Yeah. So I went with the perfect metal song, and I went with Metallica for "Whom the Bell Tolls," which I think is a perfect metal track. Coop. Now they have a couple, for, in my opinion. So like, yeah, Metall- "Sad but True," one "Master of Puppets," which is made famous by "Stranger Things." They're all sort of like perfect metal tracks. Um, but this is like, I mean, it starts out with that bell and then the yep. guitar is that crunchy. And then they, they go from crashy to crunchy to thrashing it out. And just the, the raspy, like, I think his vocals on these early records is that raspy sort of. Yes higher pitched oh it's just brilliant and it's just everything you want in a metal song this track uh it's got like you know like i said it has the bell it has this great guitar it has amazing percussion um the vocal is great they have a little bit of an effect on the vocal on, on it as well i mean ride of the lightning is one of the like best metal albums as well so you can't go wrong there but it is just a perfect track perfect metal track coop yeah, for whom the bell tolls. Eighty four, I think it came out. Um, yeah, that, that bass work at the beginning of this song. Yeah, yeah, is it's kind of that distorted bass. It had it is just amazing, uh, amazing on, on that for sure. Um, you know, and it's just you know, uh, you know, James's vocals are just spot on with this. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, his vocals sort of for me can kind of get a bit wayward, like you get a bit lost, but they are tight and on point in this track. Yeah. And and there's the lyrics get overshadowed in this song, too. Uh, you know, it's because it's, it's basically it talks about war. I think it references the Spanish Civil War uh, because it goes back to Hemingway's novel, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this song is incredible. It's inc- it kind of gets lost in a lot of like like I, you know Metallica is known for the a lot of, I know they're known for the Black Album but this is some of their yes. earlier work and it's really good stuff. This oh yeah, good. I mean this record, Kill 'Em All, Justice for All, they're all yeah great records. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it does get lost because um, I think their 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 career is so long, Coop. That I think that gets it gets like you said gets lost in sort of like the black album forward. Yep. Um, their earlier stuff, like their '80s stuff, like between sort of like, because this wasn't their first record, I don't believe. Like if they, like if you go '82 or even '80 to like '80, even like '93, '92. This was a second or, album, I believe. Yeah, I think yeah. Who was the one was it was Master of Puppets before this one? No, Master of Puppets was uh third. Master of Puppets came. This was eighty. Was it Kill 'Em All? Uh, Kill 'Em All was first. Then Ride the there Lightning, which was this album, and then Master of Puppets came. God, just the album, Ride the Lightning. Yeah, just love it. Yeah, 
Um, and this was sort of a time too where you're either a Metallica person, like a Megadeth person. Yep. Uh, because of Dave Mustaine. Uh, but I think we know how that turned out. No, exactly. <laughs> so and and you know, look, won that. yeah, I agree. And you know, with this with this album too, I mean, this is another song where the where the producers really play a key role. Fleming yeah. Rasmussen and, and Mark Whitaker were the producers, and they co-produced it with Metallica, and I think they just got a sound out, which was which was amazing. No, it's great. It's a great. It's like I said, it's perfect metal track. From what I remember, this album took a while to catch on. It actually yeah. when Master of Puppets came is when people went back and started really mm. getting into this album. I mean, it has those two standout tracks, right? It has uh, Ride the Lightning, which is a great track, and then this one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the rest of the album's great, but I think those are the two standouts. And I, I agree. Think what, and then they put out, like you said, Master of Puppets, and they put out uh, Justice for All, and Justice for All is what really yeah. broke them. Yeah. Um, but this is a, it's a good track. Yep. Great track. You, now, your next one, Coop, shocked me. Shocked. I love I this floored. song, and I love this. I didn't think you'd see this one coming. Did not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is the newest track I have on here. Yeah. Um, the artist is Gatje, and the song is Somebody That I Used To Know from 2011. Mm-hmm. A masterpiece of a song, Dave. It's, it should be a song of the decade thing. Um, to give you an idea like of, of this song, and I'll get into why I picked it in a second, but it won, it won the Grammy uh, that year, 2011-2012. Prince was, was doing the Record of the Year uh, presentation. So he reads the nominees. He opens the envelope. He sees it's this song. And you know Prince, he doesn't tip his hat a lot. He goes, I no. love this song. And he was just, you could see he was happy that this was the song that won that particular year. So it's it, it, it's it's a song, Dave, that you wouldn't think I would like, right? Uh, because this mm. is a song. It doesn't have. It has a little guitar, but it's built on synthesizers, xylophones, like yeah. flutes, and percussion. Um, and it's a haunting but powerful song, right? Mm. So Gotye actually does it with Kimbra, right? Um, and basically, you know, Gotye sings the first verse. Kimber kind of comes in and sings like a response type verse in the second half. And then they kind of join together at the end of this. So, and I think Kimber coming in with the female angle of this makes this a great song, right? Um, what people don't realize, this melody was also built off a sample. Uh, Luis yes. Bonfra, who is a Brazilian artist, uh, has a song called Seville. And uh, if you listen to that song Seville, you'll see that there's a part sampled that becomes the foundation for this, right? I don't know if I change anything about this song, Dave. It's mm. it's that good. I don't think Gotcha has done anything close to this, unfortunately. No. But this song um, was 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 money. Mm. Oh I yeah, mean, I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Coop. No, go ahead. I was just thinking as you're talking because it is an amazing song. It, it lyrically, I love this song lyrically. Um, it was huge here. I mean, it was huge everywhere. Um. But it's one of those lightning in a bottle songs, isn't it? Yeah. Like whatever they did, they kind of captured it in this one song and then never really were able to capture it again. Uh, I mean, sort of like when you look at Miss Lauren, uh, Miss Education of Lauren Hill, yeah. sort of lightning in a bottle record. This is sort of a lightning in a bottle song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, by the way, it, it, just a little footnote. Uh, 
this song did beat out Taylor Smith for record Taylor Swift for record of the year. Hey, that's not uh, we are never ever getting back together, which I thought was gonna be the song you picked, by the way. Uh, which is a very good oh. song. Yeah. Um but I also think it set a lot of foundation for what we saw in the decade. Not that but yeah. I think we saw with the last decade, you don't have to have booming guitars to do a very good song. Yes. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a great pick. It's a great. I did not expect it. Uh, I, 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 I said I, I I look at that. I mean, man, I just if if Gotye could do another few songs like that, we'd be talking about him as as. Legendary. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. But the storm came together with him on this song. I, I just it think did. yeah, it's an amazing, amazing track. Um, you know, it I did. remember where I first heard this song. Um. It was on Kiss My Ash Radio of all things, right? Really? So they, used, they used to play. They used to play samples of songs, right? But, but then they had to stop because of the same reason. Yes. So they, I remember coming back from break. They play this, right? I'm like, what the hell is this song? So I, I put the Shazam thing on, you know, and then I found out about this song, and then, and then I started hearing it more. And it was just when it was starting to get radio airplay. So yeah, yeah. Nah, it's good. Good pick. Yeah. Good yeah. pick, Coop. Uh, I'm not as current, so I picked now this song, this artist. You can pick like a. a, a I almost a, picked like this a, artist. I, I actually went, I was I said I'm gonna hold back because yeah. Well, I saw it's Johnny Cash, and you could pick probably ten songs of his really. Yeah, I thought as I said, like yeah perfect country songs. Yeah. Um, I mean Dolly Parton falls in that uh, mix as well. Yep. Um, I didn't pick Dolly because I knew I would talk about her when I talked about Johnny. So, OK, I was yeah, wondering I how she Dolly. was going to get into this episode. I got my Dolly Street going like because like Dolly, right? You could say Jolene, which is a perfect song. I, I admit I, I, I would have expected Jolene over Umbrella. That's where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Umbrella's so good. Yeah. But Jolene is perfect. I mean, Code of Many Colors is pretty perfect. Uh, Dolly has a lot of perfect songs, and this artist is the same. Johnny Cash, you could go Ring of Fire, you could go. I mean, I even think Cocaine Blues is a perfect song. Um, you could go a lot of different ways with him. I mean, Patsy Klein, Willie Nelson, sort of a lot of these iconic country people you can pick stuff for. I picked Man in Black because I think it's an underrated song, Coop. Like, I don't think it gets as much love as it should. Um, I mean, it's got your classic country structure with the guitar and everything. And the production of it is that sort of really kind of raw, lo-fi production. It's sort of your classic country feel. But it, it's got some really activist lyrics around the less fortunate. Uh, like he talks about very marginalized people that he wears black for because mm -hmm. they're being treated unjustly. He talks about veterans. He talks about people in prison, talks about, you know, people that are poor. He talks a lot about a lot of that's not your normal country uh, themes, I guess. Yeah. But his vocals incredible it's with Johnny um, and sort of like with a lot of artists on here where they grow up in sort of gospel and then move out of that. Their yeah. vocal still has that sort of kind of gospel yep. hint to it that I think works really well. I mean, Aretha, who will come up later, is the same thing. Like yeah. Coming out of gospel, you have that sort of vibe. And Johnny Johnny did a lot of gospel early in his career. And yeah, uh, yeah it's a great it's a great track. No, I agree. Uh, it would have 
there were a few Johnny Cash tracks I was considering, but that's why we're going to do yeah. all the shows. I, I agree. This is a great pick. Um, you know, he is known as the man in black, but you know, I think when you put a song out like this, right. There's a reason <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. It, it's, it's that older school. I don't want to say it's, you know, it's that classic country. I'll call it, you know, it is. Yes. Yeah. It goes back. It has, you know, like I said, it goes back to more of the, uh, you know, the roots of country music, you know, not, not what you hear. And that's not knocking today's music by any means, but it's, no. yeah. But yeah, this I mean, is a, yeah, yeah, it's a great song. Oh, oh it's a great song. I mean, country sort of fell into like a pit in the nineties. It did. And this um, is when country music lyrics were really, like you, you, you look at the lyrics in this. It's not a long song, but great lyrics in this song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, the, the argument we had before, whether it's Chris Stapleton or Sturgill Simpson, um, those two artists, we had that argument over the the who we thought was going to win the Grammy and Coop won that out uh, with, uh, with, Chris, with uh, Stapleton. Yeah. Chris Stapleton. But I think they're trying to bring back sort of that that traditional country vibe. You know, and the Grammys went through that with rock in like the late 80s. They were doing the same thing with that with rock artists. So they tend to do that from time to time. So it's it's making a comeback, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, just like just like Dolly, and Dolly and Johnny did like I think they did some songs together when when he, either when because Johnny Cash had a show for a while, yeah, and I think they might have done one on there. Anyway, but yeah, no, they definitely so, done duets. They definitely have done duets together. Um, I I know I've seen them. I want to I want to say they did walk the line together. I may be wrong on that. Maybe. Yeah. But he uh he's he's uh he was amazing. And then and then to like reinvent your career with the American series is like incredible. Yeah, I think no, he I, did I with agree. Uh, Ruben. Yeah. Um yeah, so so Johnny Cash and I managed to slip in Dolly Parton and Johnny Cash together, so that's kind of sneaky by me. But that's all right. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna go in your classic rock phase here, Coop. Yeah, I'm loving uh, it. Yeah, so this is the one track that I would say is a deeper tr- cut track, right? But but here's why I picked it, right? This song, I think many people discovered it for the first time watching The Sopranos. Right. Uh, the, the artist is Faces, what, um, yeah. and the, um, the song is Bad and Rune. Um, mm. So, I mean, by the way, Faces is just, you look at that, this is one of the greatest bands ever put together. Yeah, uh, Rod Stewart, Ron Wood, yeah. um, Kenny Jones, you know, and everyone knows Kenny Jones from, uh, you know, his career with with um, the who. So, I mean, this is there is some serious, uh, you know, can't forget Ian McLagan either. But OK, so for Sopranos fans who don't know what this song is, and don't remember. It's at the end of the Marco Polo episode when Tony Blundetto whacks Joey Peeps right in the car <laughs> and then. The, the car, like after he shoots the guy, the car rolls over his foot and he starts hobbling, right? And it's the way the episode closes out. Uh, and they're playing this this song, right? Um, so you, you'll know it once it happens. It, it, it's a great song, right? Because it's one of my favorite classic rock songs of all time. Uh, but it wasn't like a big hit by the faces. Everyone thinks, ooh, la, la, you know, there's things like that. Mm. But but very simple story. It's a, a story about uh, near do well uh who returns uh, home with his tail between his legs uh, after he kind of sets out on his own like leaves his parents and basically realizes life on his own ain't diff- uh, his life on his own ain't what it cut out to be so now he's going home to his family right so it, it, it's uh it, that's what the story is about i love the story with it right 
Uh, this song, it's not a very complex song. It's all about the guitar jams in this song. Um, mm. And Rod Stewart's raspy vocals, right? And Rod yeah. Stewart could tell a story, and that's why I like Rod Stewart. Um, but what's really good is this song kind of at the end, it has this drum, this drum bridge, right? Towards the last part of the song, right? Which you don't see a drum bridge towards the end of a song as much as maybe in the middle. And then there's like this slow pace the song kind of comes to. It, it, it's kind of an up-tempo song for the most part. That drum mm. bridge comes and then it just kind of slows mm. down. And Rod Stewart, like that. to me, this is this is an amazing song. I think Faces, one of the greatest bands that just probably doesn't get the just from yeah, a they were I agree. Just, uh, they weren't a super group because everyone became a superstar kind of after this group. Like Wood yeah. goes to the Rolling Stones, Rod Stewart has a big solo career, Kenny Jones goes to the Who. So I mean, that's that's what kind of happened there. But they were they were a super group before they were a super group. So yeah, I agree. They're very yeah, very underrated band for like when you look at like you said, you look at the lineup, and they're they're very underrated band. I, I would say a lot of Rod Stewart fans. Uh, don't even don't even know like oh he was in what yeah he was at, that was you know yeah he was at the faces and in fact again Ron Wood people don't realize he was with the faces no. and and that was a tough decision he had um because I think and I think what he ended up leaving was simply because I think they knew Rod Stewart was going to go solo so yeah, but right. I think he would have stayed with them had Rod had stayed with them they get along good apparently still to this day these guys so that's good yeah um yeah I mean. Now you you're going from a band that, you know, is a bit is a bit underrated or under the radar yep. for some fans, and I'm going to an artist who's nothing but the radar. Really, it's a great pick, and it's Miles Davis with flamenco sketches. Mm-hmm. Now we don't do a lot of jazz on the show. We had um, Matt on from How About the Cigar, who's like a jazz you know guru. Yep. Who managed to like teach us a lot about yeah. jazz? We're, we're probably very have to do another jazz show at some point too. I think we're overdue for it. Yeah, yeah, we're very deficient in that category. So what we do here at Jukebox is we bring in the experts. Yeah, that's Bang. what we do. And Matt, yeah. But this for me, it's uh, off of his. Well, his uh, uh, blue, like kind of blue. blues, kind of blue record, which is like his biggest record by far. I mean, I mean, maybe Bitches Brew is more well known, but. Uh, I would say this that not. Um, I mean, you talked about the faces. This is like the jazz super group because you got John Coltrane and uh, oh yeah, Cannonball Adderley is also on this yep. record. Yep. Is, Joe Morgan might even be on this record. It's just it's crazy. Uh, the the talent on this record and the reason I pick Flamenco Sketches because you pick a number of tracks off this record to be honest. Yep. Is that for me? It's like nothing is wasted on this track, Coop. No. Every note is where it's supposed to be. There's nothing on it that is filler. Like every every note on it is in the perfect place. And you get that. It's a very sparse vibe. And then when Coltrane comes in with that warm sax, like it is just amazing. The The sort of construction of the song is incredible. I love this song. You know, it's a perfect jazz song. It is. And, you know, Blue and Green's on this album, too. Yes. Um, and, you know, surprise. I think, you know, that I think this song sometimes gets forgetting about, forgotten about um, with this album. Um, with Blue and Green. With Blue and Green. Yep. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, you know, this one's a great I mean, a great track. There's some alternate takes, I think. Uh, yes. And done of this, which you, you definitely want to check out. To me, this is a this is a great pick. 
Yeah, if you get the deluxe version, I think there's like three or four alternate takes. Yeah, to yeah. Be honest. Yeah, and you definitely want to get the deluxe version of it too. It, it, there's only five tracks on the original album, but it's like yes. 45 minutes worth of music. Well, this song itself is like 10 or 12 minutes or something. Yeah, insane. yeah. All, all the tracks yeah. are like 10 minutes long. Yeah, except, yeah, except Blue and Green, I think it's the shortest one. But yeah, this this song though, it's like 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 if you listen to it right and you love music, which I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you love music. Yeah. If you listen to it and notes come in, you're like, I can't think of like, like you hear, you hear him hit a note and you're like, I couldn't think of another note at that time that I wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, it's like perfectly constructed, yeah. um, which is, which is cool, uh, especially from an artist that would then go on to sort of revolutionize sort of improv jazz to like yep. put together something so meticulously constructed is uh fantastic yeah so check I, it out yeah i mean the horn work too with uh you know cannonball and coltrane yeah the sax stuff is just obviously you have miles but yeah it's uh incredible yeah this song that coop has i have to agree is like <laughs> this, this this is like this is the definition of a perfect song really yeah um and it was from one of your favorite albums dave Yes, the best album ever recorded. Thank you very much. Yep. So I was surprised you didn't pick it. I had it in the back burner, but I went with it. Um, the Artist of the Rolling Stones. Uh, it's the Let It Bleed album, and it's called You Can't Always Get What You Want. Oh, God. Um, we, this is, I, I, we did this when we did the Let It Bleed uh, album, Archaeology. I, I use this word. It's a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. Um, he talks a lot about in this song. It talks about relationships. It talks about politics and it talks about drugs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, the Holy Trinity right there. It's the Holy Trinity. <laughs> it, it's the Holy Trinity. Right. And, uh, you know, um, I won't, we we broke down a lot of those lyrics when we did the uh, Al here. I won't repeat it. But, you know, it has that gospel influence. Right. Um, where, you know, it starts off with that that really kind of, you know, that quiet gospel, you know, almost like that, you know, the chant. Right. And then it just get, you know, then the story evolves. Right. Mm. And, you know, Charlie Watts's drums are just, you know, late Charlie Watts. You know, you want to know how good he was. He was just good. There's complexity. There's hooks. There's transitions. Right. And this song is just like I've heard this song compared to like if you say hey jude was to the beatles this song mm. was the rolling stones answer the hey jude because of the way they kind of put this yeah. together and, and the transitions and all that um there's a lot of rolling stone songs i could have picked but i think when i went and looked at studio mm. versions of this song to me this was the one that and this better be that we better see this on the Rolling Stone list. I know it's been on there in the oh, past. Oh, it has to be. I mean, I think it's been top 100. This this has to be the highest. I can't put anything higher than this one. No, um, no. I mean, no. No, you're right. Uh, and they do. By the way, they do a great. Ver- this is another version. You know, sometimes when you do these like expertly uh, engineered so- songs in the studio, they don't mm. translate as well live. This one does translate mm. well live. So, um, you know, like I said, it, this has got everything. It's got it's got the lyrics. It's got the complexity. It's got uh, hooks, whatever you were looking for. There's not much I would change with this song. 
I, 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 can't think, I can't think of anything to change with the song. Let's no. make it longer, you know, but but I, that's not a criteria, by the way, uh, making a song longer <laughs> to make it better <laughs> in my book. I think, yeah. I think you hit everything on the head and I agree with all of it. And listening to you talk about this song, I think the brilliance of this song is almost like three songs in one, isn't it? Yeah, because it goes through so many so many tempo and style changes within the same song. Yeah. But then to hold it all together, because like you say, you got gospel in there and then it, it like the gospel reaches a crescendo where it's almost like like a revival tent, you know, like yeah. there's this energy to yeah. it. But then like they kick into like rock. So it's sort of like all these different songs into one song. It's really it's amazing. Kind of why I think kind of why I think that analogy to Hey Jude is accurate because he yeah. does some similar. And by the way, I didn't put Hey Jude on here, but um, not to say that's that's an amazing song, too. Mm, mm. We didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't put any Beatles. So well, you could do a whole you could do perfect songs. The Beatles just have yeah. everybody and Rolling Stones song. easily. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. No problem there. Yeah. Uh, but this was no, 1969. This was one of my older songs I put on here. God, it's such a good record. Perfect yeah. record. Who oh. who hates Rolling Stones? Is that is that Dojo, Dojo. or who? Dojo. Yeah. Dojo's Sorry, gonna Dojo. have an issue with one of my picks, I think, coming up. But uh, well, we'll talk is about it that. You too. <laughs> oh, it's not you too. He hates you too. But I think he's in the YouTube backlash that's going on. That YouTube backlash right. will end soon. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, hey, so you know, someone's got to hate you too, right? Not me. Why not Doge? Uh, and yeah, he just, he just, he's got great he just, music taste. I can't knock the guy. He's got some of the best music taste out there. Well, he he does really hate. Okay, now I'm now I'm doing this show, but like if 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 Dojo was doing it, he'd have Clash on here definitely. He'd have Clash. I, I know I know one of the songs he would have on here. It's by an artist, but it's not the same song. I gotta have. Clash could totally go on. Oh, God, the Clash is so good. Uh, oh, I, had, I, had, I had two potential Clash songs almost that made this. Yeah. See, this is why I got to do it again. Coop. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many. Um, I mean, yeah. But anyway, we, and we'll bring Dojo on. And, and, he can he can rip me for like the no, Rolling Stones. How, and by the way, for folks listening, this isn't to say that these songs are honorable mentions. There just wasn't room to put more than 10. No, no. There's a lot of songs that you say. And again, I say close to perfect in that, you know, Maybe you can make it better, but it's hard to, is what I'm saying. These are songs that are hard to do. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's all yeah. subjective, yeah. you know? Um, what's not subjective, which is totally objective, is the next song I have is perfect, and that is Bob Marley. This is a good one. Uh, St- yep. Stop That Train. Great now, reggae pick. Now, the reason, like Bob Marley, right? I Like I said, I put in here, you could have any number of songs, Three Little Birds, Redemption Song, One Love, Trunchtown Rock, Stir It Up, you could have on here, Exodus. God, Exodus is a great song. Mm-hmm. But like I wanted to pick one that I love that maybe not a lot of people uh, have heard. And that stopped that train. Um, and, and it's sort of a theme that we're coming up with, Coop, unintentionally. is like we have a lot of artists on here that have that sort of gospel vibe. Yeah to their songs and a lot of what it's not traditional as you traditionally think of gospel, but a lot of songs that Bob Marley has have this very spiritual element to them. Yeah. Um, which is part of, you know, the reggae, you know, Rasta religion he belongs to. Um, but they have this sort of spiritual element of Zion and Ja and all this stuff and stop that train has that too about finding yourself 
and you know the you know you're on the train in life and talk, talking about a higher power and it's it's just got it's got that bit of gospel to it it's got that great vibe he's such a talented singer and songwriter and this track is amazing so it, it, it's a bit more um it's a bit more stripped down than his other stuff like it's it's not uh like when you look at sort of the other ones that have horns and stuff i mean i shot the sheriff could be on here but it's a great, great track. Stop that train. It's early. It's early in his career. I think it Catch a Fire wasn't his first record, but I think it was the first this U.S. Is, released record. It might be. Um, it's not his first record, but I think it might be the first one that was released in the U.S. So it's early in the career, but I recommend that you check that out. Stop that train. Yeah, no, it's a good one. Uh, this was a very good pick um, for sure. Goes out uh, to Nick Melillo, this pick. Yeah, this for you, Nick. Yeah, I mean, um, and I believe that, that they're not the original one of this, right? Oh, I'd have to look, to be honest. Okay. I'm not sure if they were the originals of this or not. I could be wrong. Excellent song. Yep. I was on, I was doing a show with uh, Nick on reggae. We did a couple of them. We were talking reggae. We were talking about the Marleys or whatever. And he, like, knows, like, he know he knows like a couple of Bob Marley's kids. He's like, oh, let me just call him on the phone and see if they're you know if they want to come on. <laughs> well, Nick, <laughs> he didn't tell, Nick, Nick was one of the guys who sent uh sent your regards um to, from the show. By the way, we had to make Nick turn his music off. What? Well, Nick? no, no, we it wasn't because we didn't like the music. Uh, we just didn't want to have a uh, a YouTube copyright problem. You know what I saw? That was the problem. Cooper. Yeah, yeah. You know what I saw, Mister Cooper? Uh huh. In my in my Insta feed today, and then we'll get back to music. A up a, a candela wrapped upsetters. That's been around for a while. Ooh, I that know that. I you didn't know. Okay, well, I'll just pick one up for you. Yeah, it's, it's been an odd for, size. That's been it looks around, like a pyramid or something. That's been around for a, since it was released. That was one of the earliest release. Yeah, he did that. Ooh, one. I'll have to check that out. Didn't yeah, know that. It, it's a, it's infused, but it's good. It's I gotta infused. tell you, the radar, my radar on infused cigars is like nil. So it doesn't doesn't surprise me. I don't think the upsetters got like the play they should have. Um, they haven't very tried good, them. Yeah, they're good cigars. I'll have to try it. Yeah. But anyway, that's a long way to say this goes out to you, Nick. Bob Marley. Stop that train. Yep. What do you got, Coop? All right. We're going the thing to about this. The thing about this cigar is like I'm like halfway through <laughs> like, this cigar. I can smoke for like a day. I'm like me, too. It's very good. We'll, we'll, we'll get our thoughts in a little bit with this. Because uh, I was just looking at the show notes. I'm looking at my cigar. I'm like, I got a lot left. Yeah, me too. I think we're going to. Uh, I right. adore this song. I think this song really quick. I think this song is just a perfect song. It's a perfect night driving song, this song. Yes, it, it definitely is. It was on my, I believe, I don't know if we put this on the road, the road trip. I think list we did. I yeah, think we did. Yeah, I think we did too. Um, It's from 1971. Here it is. Which um, is that big year in music. I don't think we covered this as an album in particular because I don't think the album is as deep. But uh, the song mm. is Tiny Dancer by Elton John. Nice. Now, is this before you, you launch into it? Is this this uh, is this Madman Off the Water? Yeah. Is this yeah. that song? Madman Man Across the yeah. Water. Yeah. Yeah. Across the Water. Yeah. yeah. Um, so first, you got to just for folks who may not be familiar with how Elton John songs are composed. Right. Uh, he is not a lyricist, right? 
Uh, Bernie Taupin is his longtime lyricist. Bernie will go into a room. He'll write some lyrics. He gives them to Elton and Elton then puts the music behind them. Right. Uh, which is kind of unique. Right. Uh, it's a very unique thing. It's, it's 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 not truly collaborative, but it's collaborative in like. Yeah. But it, it's work for them. And they don't like once once Bernie turns the lyrics over to Elton, uh, Elton just does his thing. And um, th- it's worked very well. Um, this is another incredible uh, case study for engineering. Uh, it's a song that you, you should kind of look at some of the track decomposition of what happens with this song. Right. But here's the thing that I used to stands out to me. The chorus doesn't kick in until two and a half minutes into this song. Okay. Mm. Which is again, this is why it wasn't a big pop hit because radio didn't like it, but in years it's just become an absolute classic. Right. But that intro. All right. Um, there's a, you know, there's that piano intro, right? It's, it's just the classic Elton John piano. Then there's a funky groove with some drums come in, right? Then there's this bass line that comes in. Then I think the key element to this song is that steel pedal on the electric guitar, mm. which is really used that steel pedal a lot in here, right? And we have a gospel choir that's used in this song. There too. we go. Then he builds, they build this up, right? And then they build into like a pre-chorus. And that's the pre-chorus where Elton goes, oh, how it feels so real. Mm. And, and then uh, they, it kind of picks up a bit, slows back down. And that's when the chorus comes in. And that chorus is just amazing. If you, if you listen to some of the string arrangements that are put into this mm. song, um, Elton John is, when Elton John wants to write a masterful music track, he can do it. The problem mm. I've seen with Elton John is sometimes he writes some crappy stuff, right? Some crappy music, right? But to me, this one just, it, it's a perfect song. Like I said, you really, if you kind of could listen to some, this is where I wish we could play stuff on here, Dave. Because when you play mm. yeah. the individual tracks, right? And you hear that part with the steel pedal and all that, right? And you hear that gospel, right? And oh, by the way, Elton's vocals are amazing in this song too. Like don't like Elton John has, has great range in this song. Um, it's a, it's it's to me it's a it's it's another masterpiece. Um, it's been covered a lot this song, you know. Um, mm. like Tim McGraw covered it. Uh, Florence Florence uh, covered it for Florence and the Machine. Uh, but no one's come close because again, the the way this song was engineered, um, it, it, it's just I don't know if I would ch- I don't know what I could have changed in this song. No, but I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, it is incredible. I have to say. The sweet spot for me for for Elton John's career is that sort of like that 70s era up until like uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, like that whole sort of era is sort of for me, like his peak for me. He went into that 70s, late 70s slump. Um, He had a little in the 80s. He had some moments, I'll say. I I think I'm still standing is amazing, by the way. Yes. Yeah. But but, you know, this is this is like I said, this is Madman Across the Water. Um, This was. You know, then he was doing stuff like Burn Down the Mission. There were, there were a few, there were a couple of other Elton songs I could probably put in here. Not a lot, but this one I think has to be there. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road is an amazing song. It, it is, it is. Uh, I, I, yeah, I love, I love, um, I love uh, Philadelphia Freedom as well. I think I yeah. can, it's an underrated song, but there's a lot to that. This song, which is interesting, is it also has that 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 gospel stuff that we sort of keep coming back to. Which is interesting in itself because I didn't realize that when I was putting the list together. Yeah. But um, 
it's sort of like the songs. It's sort of like some of the other stuff that we talked about, Chris Mayfield and uh, Public Enemy. It's sort of transcended music, hasn't it, Coop? You know, it's like it would be another good show to do where we look at the gospel influence and stuff, um, because a lot of people have their roots in gospel. You know, church music. That's yeah. where a lot of people started doing music for the first time. Oh, especially um, when you look at R and B. Yeah, yeah, and, and even today, like people, you know, there's a lot of people who you know go to church still. So well, that's right. Know? Yeah. So, but it's yeah. uh, yeah, it's great. I mean. Because I would say, Coop, that there are because this song was made famous and almost famous. I mean, it probably was famous. Oh, maybe one of the greatest musical scenes in a movie uh, that the bus scene to me. uh, That's a great scene. I mean, it was that was just master masterful how how they all did that. God, the song's so good, Coop. It, Mm. It really it really I mean, it's just one you'll sing along with. But here's the thing. It takes you two and a half minutes to get to the chorus, but you're not, you know, in the age of attention span, like people have short attention spans, but this song does, you'll, you'll your attention's going in there because there's so much going on and it's building up. Yeah, you don't, you don't care. Yeah. The song's so it's good. It's kind of the opposite of Just Like Heaven, which I think they do a, a perfect job in four minutes. This one, you want mm. the full six plus minutes, which is what the track is. Oh, you want this song to last forever. Yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> you, do, you do, you do. Um, so, Excellent pick, of course, because, oh, love it. I, going to my notes here. Oh, so gospel, let's keep going gospel, Coop, you know? Yeah, it's a big theme today, yeah. Aretha Franklin, with respect. Yes. yes. Um, oh. This has to be, I mean, come on. You know, come on. Uh, gender, race, and identity, kind of main themes that Aretha has throughout her songs, yeah. and spirituality, obviously. Um. Great mix of gospel and soul. I think that her sort of sound defines the generation. I think of her and I think of the Supremes and that sort of, even though she wasn't on Motown, that Motown sound, I think she was on Atlantic, but in Columbia, I think she's on a couple of labels. Anyway, yeah, she went to Columbia. I know that uh, just from my dad, but she went, I think that was when she did uh, Freeway of Love was Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple. Anyway, um, I think it defines a generation to me anyway. Uh, I think like Bob Marley, 90% of her tracks are perfect. Oh, more was that? Uh, she did that on Arista. I was wrong on that. But she was got, a Columbia. She was a Columbia yeah. and an Arista. Yeah. Yeah. You got Think, which is another one. Chain of Fools. I put the entire Lady Soul record is perfect. It is. I, I don't know, Coop. I mean, yeah. we talk about the gospel influence, but there's something about how she sings that just goes right to your soul, doesn't it? Like it just goes right there instantly. Yeah. This, this is, so yeah, good. this is, you know, look, I, I think there's about, I almost put an Aretha song on here uh, as well, yeah. but I had a feeling you were going to put one because we did lady soul. So God, I love Aretha, but I mean, and she did stuff with Sam cook, you know, another person we could put, you know, his, some of his stuff on here. She made George but, Michael sound good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she, she was, you know, and like, you know, like Coop, you have a big affinity with the Aretha, with the, uh, the freeway, uh, freeway, love the, the Cadillac. Yep. That would that's a, that's a definite one in my book. Uh, at some point I'll talk about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But yeah, Aretha, man, I think, I mean, Aretha gets a lot of pub, but I still think she's underrated. I still do. I think people need to talk about her more. We talked about the Grammy streak she had. I mean, just year after year, racking up the Grammys, right? Um, 
she was a monster in terms of a uh, female artist. I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot today about like Whitney Houston, Madonna, Taylor Swift, but Aretha, Aretha, was, man. Aretha and Diana were the OGs of, of the female solo artists. And to link back to Dolly, Dolly got a lot of inspiration from Aretha because she used to go to her shows. Yeah. And really got a lot of inspiration from her. And so, yeah, Aretha, perfect song. I mean, respect is, you know, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer, but I don't know what I change in that song. I go back again. I'm oh, like, no, there's nothing, nothing I change in that song. Nothing. And, and the vocals she laid down in that song. You know, it's just it's just it's a perfect storm. It is. Um, yeah. I mean, as I say, a little prayer is another one I probably put up. there. Oh, but, yeah. This track, Coop, you picked to close your list out is amazing. I love you picked it. I love this band. Yep. So the band is Blondie and the song is Harder Glass from 1979. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Dojo, Eric had Union City Blue by Blondie. Very good okay. song, but not 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 Harder Glass. <laughs> um, you know, so this is another case of a song that had to be perfected. OK, Um they yeah. had a demo song which kind of made its way around uh, in the early days of Blondie, and, you know, called Once I Had Love, which is one of the lines in the song. Right. So it was more of a funky type of sound with that. Mm-hmm. And they made a lot of attempts to kind of better that song, that demo track. Right. Mm. Um, eventually, they bring in a producer by the name of Mike Chapman. OK. Um, and. At the same time, Debbie Harry was kind of infatuated with what uh, Giorgio Moroto was doing with I Feel Love. I mean, this, okay. was, this, was, this is noted, right? So they, so what this kind of led to is it led to the influence of synthesizers and a drum machine. Uh, and actually, the drum machine is layered with actual drums in here. So there's a disco influence that, that ends up taking over this song. Definitely. It's a synthesizer version song. So the Blondie fans were, you know, Blondie fans were unhappy with the song at first. They accused them of selling out with this, right? Oh, Jesus. Um, in fact, one of them is Clem Burke, the, the drummer, refused to play this song live for years, right? This is another one of these you have to break the individual tracks down, right? Mm. And, and listen to how they just put put these these sounds in there and layer this and, and mix this song right i think the real i think though debbie harry though this is the best vocal she's ever cut and she actually cuts a couple of octaves that are used in this song so okay. she records a couple of different octaves uh and they're layered in if you've heard a lot of the and this song became a major club song and mm. they, they'll they'll sometimes take those octaves and they'll they'll flip them so okay the higher faster ones are, are over the slower ones, but they they just did a an amazing job with this. And and the other thing I'll say is I heard you know I was reading a lot about this um for for the show. They uh, Chapman, who's the producer, he really butted heads with with um with a lot of the members of the band. Um, you know for sure. I mean there were definite uh this was a definite tense recording session uh for the Parallel Lines album and in, in particular this song as well. Um, but, um, as far as the, uh, the band goes, it was, it wasn't so much, uh, Chris Stein and Debbie Harry, uh, who were the main plays. It was oh, other members Harry, that man. didn't really like what was going on with this. Um, but in the end, uh, you know, I think they got, they, they made history with this song. Um, and it was a big part of disco 
kind of being integrated in. And I think it set the stage for things like the Pet Shop Boys years later, uh, mm. where you can put a disco song in. It, this transcended a lot of different genres as well. This was mm. on the rock stations. And this was on the disco stations in New York in 1979. And mm. I can't think of a lot of songs that were played on a classic rock station and a disco station. No, definitely. So, um, uh, yeah. Oh, I love this song, Coop. Now, I have to I have to be honest. My favorite Blondie song is Call Me. I love Call Me. It's a great song. But uh, this is this is a great song. It's Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could go dreaming. I could go. I mean, Union City Blue is a good song. I don't know if it's perfect. I'm going to be honest with you, but it's very good. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Rapture, I think, mm-hmm. is is brilliant. That's another just brilliant song. And, uh, you know, Blondie were innovators. And, and, and like I said, mm-hmm. I ended up going this song. I've always known the story of how the, this, these tracks were laid and everything. So I knew this song was going to be on my list from the very beginning. That's what kind of led me down this whole synthesizer route of because uh, then I started looking at this and I'm like, well, the I Feel Love has to be on there for disco. Obviously, I got to include the Pet Shop Boys. But um, I, I, you know, you know, what I love about this song is the mixes that they, they mm. came off with this song are really good, too. But mm. sometimes you got to come out with a track and then perfect it. And I think this is where, you know, Blondie did it. And uh, I don't think it's as good a live song because I think the engineering of this song is so key. It's such a key element with this uh, album, you know, with this mm. song and, and the Parallel Lines album. Mm. No, great, great, uh, great pick. I was just looking at something real quick. Was Call Me on the Parallel Lines album, too? Oh, hey. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. One way or another was on it. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, I closed out. So I'm hanging out with these aliens, right? We're hanging out. <laughs> We're talking cigars. I give each of them the uh, Cien Años by La Aurora uh-huh. for the perfect cigar. I'm like, try this, the Maduro. They're like, wow, cigars are amazing. And they're like, you gave us this great music. They're like, but, you know, I hear about. 70s rock like what is 70s rock and i would put on this song which is led zeppelin immigrant song perfect song yep we got we got immigrant song classic guitar riff classic uh i mean they're screaming in it they sing about valhalla what else do you need Coop? A rock I, track about Valhalla. I was still surprised you put this one on because of Led Zeppelin 2. And this is Led Zeppelin 3. Yes. That's yes. why I was, you threw me for a curve. But no doubt, this song, wow. This is a great mm. the guitar riffs in this song. I'm not going to steal your thunder, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, to get you know, to Coop's point, Led Zeppelin 2 is one of the best hard rock albums ever. Yeah. But the reason I picked this one is that I think this is quintessential Zeppelin. And it's sort of what why Zeppelin gets lumped into what's called like proto metal. Yeah. So it's sort of like you can see the seeds of metal that'll get picked up by like Black Sabbath and Judas Priest and, you know, Metallica and everything moving forward. The seeds are sort of in this in this track because they're sort of taking hard rock and they're amping it up even more, which metal is going to amp up hard rock even further. But. It's just, oh, it's just the screaming in the, I think, what is it, like three, two and a half minutes, three minutes? Like, it's not a long track. No. And it's just, like, blistering. Like, it's just uh, coming from the land of the ice and snow, Coop. 
Oh, it's so it, good. It's only two minutes and 25 seconds. It is just and, and it's just like a like a nuclear bomb goes off. Yeah, exactly. Song. Exactly. It's, uh, yeah. So that's why I picked it. I think it's because for me, it's the quit. Now you can pick a ton of stuff. songs. you've been going to California. I mean, Stairway to Heaven is sort of everybody loves that song. I don't know if I picked that song necessarily. You know, you wouldn't argue if you did. I mean, there's a few other Led Zeppelin ones I have in there, too. Uh, they're yeah. a little later in their career, but but you, you could probably pick one from every album easily. You go Days to Confuse, Cashmere. Yeah. There's a lot in there. But yeah. this song for me is like. It's Zeppelin, man. Yeah, it's just so out there. exactly. I mean, I, I think I was actually when I was looking at it, I, was like, I could probably pick one song from each of this of the albums. I bet did. you could. Yeah. On this. Coda might be tough. I'd have to look at Coda. I would say Coda. Yeah, but Coda is another. Yeah, I, I consider Coda post. You know, it was kind of put together yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, In Through the Outdoor has has uh, great songs on it. Oh, yeah, there was there were a couple there were about three I would have picked from that one. Physical uh, Graffiti, House of the Whole. Like it's just yeah, it's yeah. Like, that one's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Um, closing thoughts, Coop. Like, what did you think of this uh, exercise? Well. I actually had a little more difficulty doing this than, than you did. It took me a lot longer to pull this list together um, because I was really, really, I want to make sure I, I had perfection. Like there was, for example, there was once I was, there was once I'll tell you I didn't pick, right? Uh, it was a newer song and I love the song, but there's one, but there's one thing I don't like about song. It, it was Uptown Funk and it, it's a okay. Mark Ronson, Bruno Mars. I hate that line about Michelle Pfeiffer so much. Yeah. But the rest of the song's really good. And I say like, that line's so bad in my opinion. Uh, it was forced, in my opinion, that so I eliminated. But the song is, is really good. So I had a little more trouble picking it. I didn't go country or jazz too much. I mm. felt I needed to do a little more research on that, uh, especially the mm. jazz one. I had a couple yeah. country ones in mind, uh, but I wanted to make sure I kind of did my homework on that. Dotted my eyes, crossed my T's on that. Um, and you know, like I said, the other thing I kind of looked at, and I mentioned this at the beginning, is I looked at standing the test of time. Mm. with this as well and and if it's perfect or close to perfect it's going to be still good 10 yeah 15, 20 yeah years later so i mean yeah. i looked at that it was it was a fun exercise you know i'm curious what loomis is going to think about this show because you know we've been very to find a perfect cigar is almost impossible i think mm. it's still almost impossible here yeah. but but you know these are the songs i get you know if you're scoring cigars these are 97 to 98 scored cigar you know songs oh I, yeah i mean it's I just yeah you know, Loomis, he'd be like Zeppelin too. I'd give it a. Oh, he's very interesting. I think he's going to listen to this show. Yeah, but I think he's going <laughs> to listen to this show too. He's very. He was. We were talking about it Thursday night. He's very interested in this. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think. So yeah, so I said. I mean, I said I could do this show seventy-five times. Like I could have. Like I, I like the thing about it with this. So with the with the shows usually. If we're doing an album archaeology, I'll listen to the album while I put it out. Here's a little behind the scenes. I'll listen to the album like as I'm writing it, and I'll be looking up stuff, and I'll be looking at the producer, and I'll be doing all this stuff for an album archaeology song. For our other songs, I might just have them in my head and not listen to Spotify and just putting them on there, and then like listen to them again later just to refresh my memory on the song. For this, I was like listening to Spotify and the songs like as I was doing the list. And I'd be like, oh, I got to have that song on. And I'd go and listen to that song. And so, like, I was in this, like, hey, music haze coop where I was just, like, listening to all this music. 
And so I put it together really quickly. Like I said, I put together the actual list in like 10 minutes. Um, Cause they all just came like right up, like yep. in front of mind. Uh, so I could do this future show. I mean, you can even break it down in genre and be like, what are the, you know, top, you know, your, your perfect 10 country songs, your perfect 10. Right. Whatever. Right. We could have easily did that. I, I thing- think, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say for me, for the exercise, I moved away from like trying to define these songs as perfect objectively. Like, you know, like breaking it down to like notes and structure and beat and whatever. So because objectively, like, yeah, well, no, there's no perfect song, really. Like, I'm sure that even the artists that we talk about, if I talk to Rihanna about like, I think this song is perfect. She'd probably be like, yeah, but my vocal in this could have been a bit better. I could have been tighter here. Like, I'm sure she could pick out ways she could improve it. Um, so it's more of a subjective thing where, like, for me, the, like, to use her umbrella, like, take take Jay-Z out of it. But when, when she's singing, like, I can't see how that song could be better at all because yeah. it's just so good. Right. Or, like, when you're saying with Tiny Dancer, Right. It's like, I can't conceive of a world where Tiny Dancer is better, where you're like, well, listen to this version or listen to this. Yeah. Because the other thing is, too, like Coop had a cover on there. Like for me, I can't see any any of these songs being covered and being better. It's rare. And that was rare. Yeah. Um, but a lot of mine, some of mine were demos, too, that were covered. So. Yeah. So um, like I can't I can't see like I could see a cover being a perfect song like they perfected this song. But I can't see anyone covering any of the songs that we have and having that cover be better. No, I mean, Tiny Dance is a great example. Tim McGraw does a wonderful version of that song. It's not better than the Elton John. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. There's a duet out on YouTube of the two of them doing it. It's really good. Like for my list, it's essentially a list of like, do not cover these songs because it'll be by definition worse. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone could cover them and do better. Um, no, you know, like I, I said, the, so. the Zootons was one that easily could have been better. And it was. Uh, with, with the Amy Winehouse version. I, um, the other thing I didn't mention is the prep for this was a little... So I had to make a... I made a trip to Florida this past week. I had to go down for one night, a one-hour meeting, and I ended up driving. Because uh, actually it was a little easier for me to drive because I had some conference call stuff I could do in the car. And yeah. it was kind of... Um, so I, I had the Spotify thing on, and I, I had... I loaded up about like 50 songs um, that were like right before my trip that. And so I was listening to a lot of these in the car. And, I, and there was a couple I knew that were going to be on there. Like I knew I was going to pick the Donna Summer Disco one and Heart of Glass was going to be on there. But yeah. it kind of really gave me the uh, it kind of helped me eliminate uh, some of the things, at least for this show. And then what I wanted to consider. And, there, you know, so uh, the funny thing is the last one I added was just like heaven. And I couldn't believe I missed that one. I was looking for a 10th song. That was, uh, like, I was looking for something for like an 80s alternative. And then that one just hit me. I'm like, yes, the cure. Great song. So, great yeah, song. I mean, it was that was the only one I did after the trip. But, yeah, it was a, it was a fun exercise to do this week. And it's very subjective. Like we're saying, like some people listen to these songs like this song is like horrible. <laughs> you say it's perfect. Right. So right. It's a, I mean, it's a subjective. It, look, list. there's no wrong yeah. answers in this thing. Um, you know, it's everyone's music taste. We, we've always been open to what your music taste is. And, uh, you know, I think what I tried to do and you tried to we tried to do some variety in here, too. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, it was amazing. I had very few 80s songs in here. 
Uh, yeah. And I'm a big 80s guy. And I was surprised when I just like heaven was the only one. I didn't have tears of fears or an excess in here. You did not. And it was kind of the same thing as you. As I started including stuff, I figured I could always lean on a couple of those. Right. But I, I, it ended up like not including them. But there are songs by by there's several songs by those bands that I could get in. Same with Diana Ross. Uh, it just the way this evolved. I think it was the same as you did. We, we, we were just kind of. Yeah, we could always go back to that, but 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 this one, let's include it. Yeah. Oh no, great! Uh, I yeah. can't wait to do this again. Great exercise. Yeah, it'll be really good. I, I had a lot of fun doing this. I will be interested to say to hear what uh, Aaron has to say. Uh, here we go. That's he, not uh... perfect. <laughs> no, that's a, I mean that's, a, that's think... a four point five. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's the thing about when you're looking at ten out of ten or perfection. Yeah. Um, like I'm just looking at it in terms of like the song is like I can't see the song be better and it's the peak of music really yeah i i agree i agree um cigars coop like i'm i'm like it robusto size still yeah i'm like short robusto here <laughs> all right so this was my first time smoking the solomon i i hadn't smoked this so i'm curious what your thoughts and i'll give you mine okay um it's got great strength and body to it like yeah. we've we've been talking and smoking the whole time right and I've had to touch it up here and there, but because we're talking, but like construction on it is amazing. Like the yeah. draw and the burn are really good for a Solomon. Yeah. You know, it, yours, it, went, yours got shipped. Don't forget, too. Yeah. And I mean, I've been smoking it and I'm like, yeah, it's got good body. It's rich. It's got that sweetness I like. Um, I'm really liking it. But I have to say, Coop, in the last like since it got to like Robusto size. The strength is just starting to hit me. Like Holy this, this cow. cigar. Not just, it's not just you. And <laughs> this cigar is a bit of a truck, man. There's a lot more strength in the second half than I remember on any of the superflies. This is yeah. full throttle. I, mm. I thought it was just me. <coughs> no, it uh, it starts kicking up. Yeah, I, I'm feeling it. Uh, it's this is uh, this is probably as bold a cigar as I had from Oscar. Uh, this is a great. I, I mean, I get you know, there's things I guess you when you when you roll the cigar. You get into leaf placement and stuff, mm. and I'm sure all the same raw materials are in here. But, but yeah, this strength is is kicking. Out. And I gotta say, again, the construct Solomon's can sometimes be a nightmare with construction. Yeah. Um. What a great. I mean, look at this. Is this is yeah yeah. I it's interesting, Coop. Thinking about that, and I was thinking about this as I was smoking it. Like usually in big cigars like this, like Churchill's, six by sixty stuff like that. Like I'm used to it running out of gas near the end right but this one he just puts his foot down like this one, <laughs> this yeah. one just like amps well, up yeah you know i sent these cigars to all the guys on the team and and they were complaining like oh you all your big ring gauge i said that's what they gave big ring gauge to the store you know because it was the oscar box press one that's, uh, a great cigar. that's a great cigar there was the churchill in the 2012 um so i mean there were, there were definitely some you know some bigger but but Oscar Valadares can roll a good Solomon. I can tell you that. This is mm. a very good. I really am. This is, I got to say, this is one of my favorite sizes of the blend. Yeah, oh, I would definitely say if you liked the sort of like core superflies. Yeah. Um, you got to find a way to pick this up, I think. Tailored Smoke is. is the only place that has it. Yeah. Get down there or get a friend there and send yep. it to you. because and, and it just hits like a truck. Coupe. Yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> It really does. I mean, the strength in that. I thought it was just me. I, that's why I, was no. like, I, was, I let you go first because I want to make sure it wasn't just me. Though the strength in this thing is 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 full throttle. 
Yeah, which which I really like. Yeah, but it, it takes you by surprise. It took me it by do, surprise. It does because anyway. like that fr- you get a lot of sweetness and that richness up front, and then I kind of thought that's the way it was going to go, and it it doesn't run out of gas, like you said. No. You know, I remember you know Stogie Sander and I would talk a lot about like seven inch cigars. They run out of gas sometimes four four and a half inches. Not the case here. No. Yeah. This is. Yeah. It's it's like it's yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so go go to Taylor Smoke or get some friends to go to Taylor Smoke and get them yep. for you because yep. they are very, very good. Yeah. Um, oh, they're so good. Uh, but New Music 45 Coop. Yep. Uh, as always, sponsored by our friends at Scar Hustler, who we did see at the trade show. Um, and uh, we also they also came out to the media compound, but they run uh, Scar Hustler in Deltona, Florida. Uh, if you can't get on there, um, get down there, rather. Uh, go to CigarHustler.com, get on their mailing list, and, and don't make the mistake that I did this week uh, because they had the Drew Estate uh, Liga 10 Anniversarios uh, for sale, which I have not smoked the regular Toro size yet. Right, I got really? the email. I waited too long, and they were sold out. Mm, so, uh, yeah, rookie move by me. I tell everyone to do this, and, and then, you know, you miss. But, uh, you know, like I said, their, their mailing list is they, they, they'll get you the information. You just got to respond quick. Yeah, they yeah, They don't have yeah. a lot of supplies of this stuff. Um, yeah, so definitely get that. Check out the Postani cigars. Uh, you know, I got I got some of the, uh, the so I got I got you um, the Shepherd. I have a shepherd for you from them. Oh, was, I've been trying to track that cigar down. To be yeah, honest. they brought they brought some out to the media compound. So I I, I said, give me an extra for Dave. <laughs> they they, they wouldn't leave with the ones they had. You know, no one they leave them behind. But you know, I said yeah, they gave me one. So nice. Yeah. So uh, definitely oh. check that out. All right, yeah, Dave. I uh, I I got loving this loving the new music, new music everywhere. Yeah, it's a big year for new music, and you got some good ones this week uh, with a theme. Yeah, I got a hip hop theme today. Yep. Women in hip hop to be more specific. I, yep. Uh Lizzo has a new album out special. Uh Girls is the is the the track I chose. And I said she starts it off with the line Hold My Bag Bitch, which is just like if you start a song off with that line, you're in for a good song, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> um now for this album, she sings on it a lot more than the previous. So um, it's a bit of a different move for her. She's got disco on here, Coop. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on on this record. So it's a good record. Check it mm-hmm. out, girls. I got to check that one out, yeah. Uh, <laughs> song. Uh, side B, Sampa the Great with Never Forget off of her new record, As Above, So Below. Sampa is from, uh, is, has Zambian heritage. She also lives in South Australia. Little known fact, she was about to come on Jukebox, Cigar Jukebox. Said this, yeah. But her manager is like, sorry, we got to change it. She had, she's going to fly out and record a record, which was the one before this. And then she blew up and like was too big for me. <laughs> Never came on. Yeah. But she's close. But this record, it's got Joey Badass is on this record. Angelique Kidjo is on this record. So she's got a lot of uh, guest, vote, guest artists on it. Lots of Afro beats harkening back to her Zambian heritage. And it's just a great record. So so check check that out. Never forget. Uh, it's off of the new record. I don't know if the new record's out yet, but the single is out. Um, and your album, Akaraji Homework. We're talking about perfect songs. Iron Maiden, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Yep. Now, this record, the only reason I picked it is for the title track. 
which I think is a perfect metal track. It is so epic. I put it's epic to the point of being operatic. It is like such an epic metal song. And then, the, the of course, the like, you know, the chorus, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, like it's just brilliant. Bruce Dickinson just bringing it. So, uh, so check yeah. that, check that out. Get some Iron Maiden in you. Check it yeah. out. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Seventh Son and a Seventh Son is a lyric from uh, a Tears for Fears song called "Raul and the Kings of Spain." Oh, yeah, but uh, yeah, but it's it's not the name of the song. The song's called "Raul and the Kings of Spain," but they talk about the Seventh Son and the Seventh Son. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of a a thing, I guess. You know. Yeah. So check check it out. Yeah. And that's that's my that's my uh, new music for today. Good job, Dave. Uh, yeah, no. So this was a, a fun show to do. It's great to be back in the saddle here. Now that we're back from PCA. Definitely. Uh, um, again, thanks to our audience for for tuning in. Dave, thank you as always. Um, stay oh, tuned you, uh, to our social media feed for the next scheduled jukebox and uh, and uh, what the what we will be covering. But uh, that's going to wrap up Primetime Jukebox episode seventy five into the annals of history for this mid July edition. We'll see everybody next time. Take care, everybody.